Good morning. It's a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio, so I'd probably be Glenn Clark, and he can be Griffin if he'd like, and you can be, honest to God, I don't really care who you are. You can be whatever. If today you want to be like Ramona or Tyler or whatever you want to be, God bless. Go for it. Don't be Finn. There's too many Finns. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm putting that one off the table. How don't many Finns do you thin. know? Oh, way too many Finns. If I know one, it's too many, but... Don't, just don't be that. Be anything else. A lot you know, to do you, on the. You know yeah. more fins than Tyler's. I feel like I do these days. You don't understand what it's like to have uh, kids. Oh, okay. That's yeah, true. that's true. Okay. Yeah, they're okay. like all that's... named this uh, Jackson. They're all named Jackson or the, Finn. The the kid across the, the street from me is yeah. named Finn. It's the way it goes. They're all named Finn. But that's like the only Finn I know. Or Jackson. Like that's what they're named. Grayson. They're all Grayson. Grayson. Jackson. Finn. That's what they're all named. I don't know when it started. I don't know why. And nothing against it. Eh, like. Other than Grayson Rodriguez. That's the only Grayson. That's the only Grayson I'm good with. That's the only one that's cool. Ah, John Proctor's got a kid named Grayson. Son of a bitch. Damn it. We'll pick one. Nope. They're going to have to duel it out. That's the way it goes. There can only be one. At some point, we're going to have to have them battle to the death. That'd be really bad news for everybody in Baltimore if Proctor's kid won. Yeah, jeez. Oh, man, it would just be awful. I mean, it'd be awful for Proctor if he didn't win. I... <laughs> I don't know what we do with any of this. Well, that's what we got prepared for the show today. I hope you guys enjoyed it. <laughs> End of things. Busy day coming up today. Uh, today's show brought to you, or at least a reminder that gambling can be fun, but you should set a limit and stay within it. Remember that if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. On the program today, Mike Bordick's going to join us. He just had a, a stint down in Sarasota working with the birds. We'll get his thoughts on what he saw down there. Also coming up this morning, we're going to talk some uh, Terps. Brian Butch from Big Ten Network will check in with us, former Wisconsin star. He was on the call yesterday for (laughs) that. (sighs) Then uh, later on this morning, Jeremy Kahn checks in. Also, we'll catch up with the former Ravens offensive coordinator, Marty Mornweg, who laid out a plan for the Ravens on uh, the 33rd team. Unfortunately, part of the plan is, Figure out quarterback, which is, frankly, the only part of the plan that really matters. No offense to Marty. We'll talk about it later. A <sighs> couple of things from this weekend. One, the Maryland game. We'll talk about it more with Brian Butch. It stinks. It's very difficult to look at that image of three red shirts underneath the basket. Any one of them with a chance to just grab a rebound, draw a foul, and win the game. And none of them who did it. Because it still would have been infuriating that they blew a 16-point lead. But if you just win, who cares? We can acknowledge it's difficult to win on the road of the Big Ten. We can acknowledge that Maryland has struggled typically uh, on the road at Penn State for whatever reason. Just win the game somehow. Somehow, someway, win the game. None of it matters. Honest guy, we wouldn't talk at all about the other stuff. You could just win the game. You know Why? Because it would really be winning two games because you'd be advancing to Friday in the Big Ten tournament. Not collecting a rebound cost them two wins. Think about that. Not collecting a rebound when there were three red shirts, three, waiting underneath the basket for a basketball cost them two victories. And... There's the, the kind of the more esoteric part of this, which is that even winning one redeemable road game this season 
And not even that Penn State is a particularly good team. Just they're not awful. And your standard is the only teams you've been able to beat on the road this season are truly god-awful. Mid-major caliber teams. Winning one game against a team that's just not terrible would be something. I don't know what it means. I'm not going to be able to define it. I've tried asking the question of a few people. We'll bring it up with Brian Butch later on. Like, does it matter beyond this season? Do you go into next year sort of filing away like, huh, weird that they've struggled this much on the road? I I think we're going to, particularly if they, I don't even know, you know, off the top of my head, if they've got the, uh, they, uh, they've got UCLA on the road next year, don't they? Yeah. I mean, that, that's a bit of a, that's a bit much. Is that a conference game? No. No. Not, not, no, until not yet. After. Not yet. Um, a bit much to ask for them to, 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 to measure them by that. But, you know, I, I, so I don't know if they're playing true road games ahead of the start of, I mean, presumably, since they played Louisville on the road this year, if they get a challenge. Oh, no, the challenge is over, right? This was the last challenge. Yeah, yeah, the last. Maybe they'll play in the, the Gavit games, I guess, is the Big Ten, Big East thing that Fox puts together, so maybe they'll get a road game there. You know, if they were to go on the road and, like, lose at DePaul next year, we'd say, okay, well, there's there's a problem It'll come up if they struggle again on the road next season. And by struggle, I don't mean it's difficult for everybody to win on the road in college basketball. But this is almost unheard of for a team that you otherwise think is capable. And for as much as you praise how good they are at home, the other side of the conversation matters too. It doesn't mean that they haven't had a good season. It doesn't mean that you know Kevin Willard hasn't drastically you know, surpassed any reasonable expectation you could have possibly had for him. But it is eye-opening. This is crazy. And they did it now in different ways because much like the Nebraska game, these are games they should have won. These aren't games like the Ohio State game was the game that we had saw frequently, which is you get behind early and you're just never really in it. But now there's been a few at the end of the year where it wasn't that. That Michigan State game a couple weeks ago. Yeah, game you kind of got. You just kind of got your butts beat in that game. They, well, they came all they battled all the way back, and then yeah, but yeah. like the yeah. I don't know, I don't, know. I, I don't have the answer. I, before the end of yesterday's game, I, mean, I was telling my friend, I was like, this might be like the, I, it was looking like it was going to be Maryland's, in my opinion, maybe their most impressive win of this season. Like going on the road in a place that they always struggle. Yeah, it and wouldn't be their most impressive. It wouldn't have been their most impressive win of the season, but it would have been a, a it would yeah. have made you feel better. Going into the big Big Ten tournament, and more than anything, like any scenario where you think this team, the, the scenario that we could paint in our minds where, well, they've got a good chance to win the Big Ten tournament as anybody does, had to involve them starting on Friday. Yeah. Starting on Thursday, they don't. They don't have just as good a chance of winning the Big Ten tournament. It would be a miracle for them to do it. And again, that's unfair to measure a team to say their success is whether they win the Big Ten tournament or not. But the cha- if they were starting on Friday, legitimately, you couldn't have sat here and said to me that any other team uh, besides Purdue, of course, would have been the favorite by a good bit. But outside of that, nobody else would have had a better chance of winning the Big Ten tournament than Maryland did. They would be the exact same. Iowa, Northwestern, Michigan, whoever you want to put on the list. Indiana, all about the exact same chance as Maryland. Now, you know, you just can't say that. It's, it's impossible. So... It stinks. It's a bummer. We got to keep it all in perspective that nobody thought this team was going to make any sort of magical run. But, dude, when you're up by 16 and all you need is one effing rebound, 
with three dudes standing there, it's very difficult to not be frustrated about it, which is just the way that it was. The bigger story yesterday came from ESPN and a report from Jeremy Fowler and Dan Graziano at ESPN.com, which for some reason was hidden under, hidden under their insider tab. It's a very bizarre thing for significant news story from ESPN to put it behind a paywall. Like, I get it. You know, like, journalism needs to be profitable. I understand all of those things. But this is significant, and I think it was the wrong decision for ESPN to put it behind a paywall. But Jeremy Fowler and Dan Graziano report that the Ravens are strongly considering using the non-exclusive tag on Lamar Jackson. Of course, tomorrow is the deadline, so we could get, you know, this news kind of at any minute at this point. I still don't know why they would wait. We wouldn't wait until the deadline in order to announce it. Like, give yourself as much time as possible to see if you can't figure something out before you get there. But this, it's intriguing for any number of reasons. We talked about it with Tim Hasselbeck last Friday, and one of the things, unfortunately, because we were running up against it, uh, we had Taryn Vavra coming on, or Vavra coming on the show, so one of the things we didn't get to with Tim Hasselbeck was the, the scenario that so many people are pointing out. Tim Hasselbeck's point, go let the market get established and then just sign him. As simple as that. If you're doing that, for what it's worth, it, it kind of does eliminate what the value of the non-exclusive tag is. The value of the non-exclusive tag is if he's got a plan on the tag – it saves you ten million bucks. Well, if you know you're going to end up saving him, then what was the point? There was no value to the non-exclusive tag. The value now becomes somebody else does your bidding for you, and there's the secondary part of it that has to go a little unspoken, which is the collusion part of it. If Steve Bishotti is afraid of going fully guaranteed because he thinks the other owners are going to be pissed off at him then using the non-exclusive tag would present the opportunity for the Atlanta Falcons to offer fully guaranteed and for Steve Bishotti to then say to the rest of the NFL, dude, you can be as mad as you want to be at me, but you're mad at the wrong guy. I had to do it because somebody else did it. Go be mad at Arthur Blank. Go be mad at you know, Woody Johnson, whoever it was, whoever the next owner of the Commanders is. Go be mad at them because they were the ones that went fully guaranteed. I just was forced to where I was going to lose my quarterback. It's the unspoken part of this that could prove to be valuable, right? Which is if this is just about Steve Bishotti's reluctance to use the words fully guaranteed because he wants to help the owners hold the line in the fight against fully guaranteed contracts with the players, this could provide him cover for being able to do it. If that option was on the table from someone else, if the Houston Texans were enamored with the idea of going fully guaranteed, then he gets to turn around and say, dude, you're, I'm not the bad guy here. I just didn't want to lose my quarterback. I'm not the guy you should be mad at. Be mad at them. They were the ones that forced this. So it's an interesting, it's a compelling argument to be made. The obvious argument on the flip side is, well, you can't lose Lamar Jackson for just two first-round picks. You should have been able to do better than that on a trade market. 
again, if you're just going to sign him to whatever deal somebody else offers, then you don't have to worry about Lamar Jackson leaving for two first-round picks. But then there's the, you know, we'll use the term poison pill. This is not what the NFL refers to as a poison pill. The NFL's poison pills they got rid of some time ago. This, I'll still use the term poison pill to describe it, and we've talked about it a little bit, is you can structure a deal so that the first-year money is significant enough that the Ravens can't match it. There are teams that just happen to have more cap space available through restructures, through cuts, through things like that, that they could say, yeah, we're going to offer you basically the exact same deal that the Ravens did, but we're going to put you know, $75 million in the first year, and the Ravens end up saying, well, we can't do that. Now, there's, there's two things there. If it's essentially the same deal with just the difference being the $75 million, then Lamar Jackson probably wanted out anyway. There's also the chance that the Ravens know what the offers are. Now, this is a very difficult thing, right? This is where, is there truly honor among thieves? Or is there a team that's so desirous, so desperate for Lamar Jackson, that they have been putting out false information into the world in hopes that the Ravens believe that they'd only be willing to go so far in an offer for Lamar Jackson allowing for the opportunity that Lamar Jackson does become an exclu- non-exclusive franchise player to then blow away with an offer and leave the Ravens scratching their heads and saying, what the hell just happened? Don't know. Don't know. I, I do know that if the Ravens were to allow Lamar Jackson to leave for just two first-round picks, if it played out that way for whatever reason... It would be pretty shameful. It would be a pretty dark moment. I Look, you know how I'm going to feel. I'm not going to be okay with this in any scenario where Lamar Jackson isn't your quarterback. But then it just gets into the realm of embarrassing. You had a franchise-caliber quarterback, and you let him go, and what you have to show for it is I mean, the same thing that non-quarterbacks have retrieved in, in trades recently. Really? That Laramie Tunsil was what you got back for Lamar Jackson? Well, that can't happen. Now imagine if it's a team. It could be even worse. It could be a team that doesn't even have like a top 10 pick. This is the thing. You don't get to negotiate now. It's just whatever deal he takes. So I still struggle with the belief that it will happen. If it does happen, it damn well better be because the Ravens have just decided, come hell or high water, whatever the deal is that's out there, we're matching it. And, you know, the problem that can come along with that, of course, is the idea that if you get to that point and they somebody offers a deal that's structured with a ton of money in the first year. By the way, pretend, it's not like a team can't do that, but we do need to be fair about this. A team that does that is in the same situation as the Ravens would be. If you are willing to go that route, yes, you get your quarterback. But it does mean you basically have to release everybody that you possibly can in order to clear that cap space, and it means you can't sign anybody else to improve the team. The Atlanta Falcons have like a nice wide receiver and a nice tight end, and probably with Lamar Jackson in that division are immediately the team to beat, but let's not pretend like they're a team that's ready to compete to win the NFC just with Lamar Jackson. They have other holes. The moment you structure a deal 
that's poisonous to the tune of, you know, $70 million in year one just to make it impossible for the Ravens to match, you're also kind of effing yourselves at the same time. Which doesn't mean somebody won't do it. I mean, I, I can't say that at all. That's how desperate teams are to have quarterbacks. They might just be willing to say, even if it means that we have to lose everything we have, the chance to get Lamar Jackson for two first-round picks? Pruh. Christ. By all means, we'll go out there with Lamar Jackson and and a, a bunch of rookies this season. And if it means for one year we're not quite there yet, all good. I don't... I would... I'm still going to be surprised if that's what they do. Surprised to stunned. I, 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 considering it, sure. Considering it. Trying to do their due diligence about what offers would be on the table. Trying to do their own recon about what the market looks like from Lamar Jackson. I believe all of that. Somebody would say, what if there's a scenario where they just haven't had two first-round picks offered for Lamar Jackson to this point? You know, anything's possible. I, I, I can't... It's, it's possible that because the rest of the NFL is saying, hey, we want to see what it is that you do here before we start going crazy with our offers. Maybe the NFL, the other teams in the NFL have been slow to make strong trade offers for Lamar Jackson. Part of why I would just sign him. Being honest with you, like I would just sign him myself. That's how I'd handle all this. I just pay him the money and stop, stop dealing with these things. You but just, you just keep the all pro quarterback. Yeah, that would be what I. That would be the bold decision that I would make. I would just have Lamar Jackson. Would be how I would go about doing it. Instead of worrying about all these things, I would just like you know, not let let the guy walk away. That's the best thing you've ever had at the quarterback position in the history of your franchise. That that would be my thought process here, but I understand it's not quite that simple. Such is life. We will look. We're gonna find out. We might find out in, in moments. We might find out today. We might find out tomorrow. Tomorrow, of course, is the deadline for the tag. So we will know by Wednesday morning when we come on to do this show. We will have a direct answer. At least the first answer. In this process, there will still be a lot more to be solved after that, but we will get the first answer when it comes to how this is all going to play out with Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. We are in the final 48 hours before, not even 48 hours, 20, 20, uh, 30, 30-ish hours before we have a direct answer about how this is going to go. Today's show brought to you by the Baltimore County Police Department. You are someone with a passion for service. You're someone who is looking for a career for life. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring, and they have very competitive salaries. Cadets start at over $32,000 a year. Entry-level officers, $60,000 a year. Lateral officers, over $64,000, with a $10,000 signing bonus available for entry-level or lateral officers. Get your applications in today. There's also a 25-year retirement at 60% with 3% every year thereafter up to 100%. Medical, dental, and vision insurance, promotional opportunities, career advancement to over 20 specialized units. Find out more by visiting joinbaltimorecountypd.com 
or call 410-887-5542 in order to find out more. Joining us now, this man just had a stint as an instructor with the Orioles down in Sarasota, and now he's going to be back here in Baltimore, and you'll be hearing him once again this season on 105.7 The Fans, Baltimore Game Day Uncensored, or Baltimore Baseball Tonight is that show. I do Baltimore Game Day Uncensored. They do Baltimore Baseball Tonight. It's a whole thing, man. Lots of shows. He is our friend, Mike Bordick, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Mike, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, I'm great. Yeah, all in the family, right? We're all kind of talking the same stuff. Yeah, Mike. My my brain sometimes does not function. I need to. You know what it is? I need to eat more like raw uh, livers and uh, and testicles. I think in order <laughs> to get my brain where I need it to be. Hey, can you just? Uh, I wouldn't go raw. Uh, I mean, sure. That's a very good point. I wouldn't go with it at all myself. I'm going to leave it for you. <laughs> um, take me through just being down there. What was the attitude like in camp? Did you did you feel a little bit of, hey, this is an opportunity this year for us to do something really special? Well, I think uh, the attitude has definitely changed. And for years, I think Brandon Hyde has been um, – just a different kind of mindset. And I think with the, uh, you know, the advent of this youth movement, Adley Rutschman coming up last year, which kind of uh, voted well for winning in, uh, with the Orioles, and Gunnar Henderson getting the call, I think the whole, I think the whole organization is really, you know, starting to feel better just about their prospects. I, I know uh, Gunnar Henderson told me that, you know, everybody, the fact that there were young guys in the big leagues when he got there and that there were really good young players in the whole organization, everybody's kind of on the same page about a genuine excitement to really turn things around and, and get back in the winning track. No, and it feels like this is the year, right? Like, it feels like this is the first time you can measure them. It's not unreasonable to have an expectation of the postseason. That this. You know, having a, a nice season, winning some games would be fun, but it, I don't think it's unreasonable to say you're measuring this team now by whether or not they can make the playoffs. Well, I agree, and, and I think a big reason why is uh, maybe they don't have the talent today, but the fact that they've got so much talent in the organization lends to think, okay, if we truly are a playoff-caliber team, there may be an opportunity to work a trade. You know, I think a lot of us uh, were kind of surprised that they weren't as aggressive in the offseason. Now, they did. They landed a couple of nice-looking players. Um, I think Cole Irvin, uh, one of the pitchers they got, and, and, uh, and another starter. But it wasn't like a blockbuster offseason, go get a uh, top-of-the-line free agent. But I think there's opportunities still to make those type of trades incredibly impactful you know for for the team this season uh, and and hopefully that would be something they would be willing to do mike bordick is with us here on gcr mike you mentioned talking to gunner henderson and it makes sense that he'd be someone that you'd be around and kind of working with in camp when you look at gunner what do you see defensively specifically like that's the part that i think we're still trying to figure out is where is he best suited to be is he ultimately a high level shortstop and if he is as well as Jorge Mateo played defensively last year, should the Orioles be trying to get him there immediately to get him comfortable and have that sort of solve long-term? 
Well, I think, I think Gunner's an exceptional athlete. I think he's a five-tool player. I think he's got a really uh, good head on his shoulders for being such a young kid. Although I would like to see him kind of uh, pull back the reins on how hard he is on himself sometimes. But I think that will come with maturity. Uh, from a defensive standpoint, I'll tell you what. I think Mateo is hands down the best shortstop in the game right now. Mm-hmm. His athleticism is just off the charts. There is, There just aren't players that can do what he can do. And I would try to keep him there as long as I possibly could. And I think that would kind of help Gunnar Henderson hopefully settle into third base and become that cornerstone of an infield that you could put him in the in the category of Oriole great third baseman. I, I just feel like he's that got, got that kind of ability. I don't know if at shortstop, I think he, he could do it. I really do. I just think third base uh, would – it just looks like his position. I think he could be in the line of, you know, Manny Machado over there. Uh, I mean, Brooks Robinson's pretty high – you know, standard to me, but I, I think he could potentially fall in with the greats, um, and I think that would help him be more of that MVP caliber type player. I, I think shortstop, major league level. I mean, there's a lot uh, that goes on there, especially for a young younger infielder to digest. Uh, I mean, just look at the you know when Manny tried to move over to shortstop, it was just a different game. He, he didn't have the internal clock, and I'm not saying Gunner couldn't do that. But third base definitely suited Manny, and Manny's perennial all-star, gold glover over there. And I think Gunnar Henderson could be that type of player as well. Mike Bordick is with us here on GCR. Mike, all that makes sense, with the obvious caveat being you've got a gold glover at third base from a year ago, right? Um, do you feel yeah, yeah. do you feel just as comfortable with Ramon Arias playing second base and – being able to handle that at a high level defensively as he played at third a year ago? Well, I'll tell you what. There's, there are a lot of interesting uh, dynamics, obviously, going on with the Orioles infield. I think Arias probably better suited for a third base as well, a more <laughs> reactionary position. I think he's that kind of player. Uh, but I also, I also think there's a lot of value in Arias that he can play every infield position and you're not going to lose anything. Um, I, I think versatility is the name of the game for Arias. I know they went out and got Frazier, um, you know, who's played a lot of games in second base. So it's going to be interesting to see how they shake everything out. Um, yeah, they, I mean, they could possibly think of Arias going over to third base, and if, if Mateo doesn't hit, you know, slide Gunner over to shortstop. But you got to, you know, Defensively, the Orioles were better last year than they have been in a long, long time. Right, right. I know there are a couple of factors why Orioles pitching was so good, moving the left, getting the ball back helped. But they were so sound defensively. I mean, that had to knock a run off everybody's earned run average. That's how good the defense was. They were tops in turn and double plays. They were handling the ball very well. There was strength up the middle. So there's a lot to... uh, I think, consider before you start moving all these pieces around. I I think, you know, keeping that strength up the middle is going to be really important. Um, But I also think that they've put themselves in a position where to have that much talent and to all of a sudden be 
questioning potential moves is a good thing for the Orioles because I know that there are other teams that are looking at the Orioles and saying, wow, we could use a shortstop, and maybe Mateo's value is higher than we think. Hmm. Somebody wants that defensive piece, you know what I mean, that might allow them to move some guys around. I, I'm such a big fan of Mateo, though. I, would, I, I just think that no matter what he hits, man, I want him as shortstop. I get I it. I think he's got that much defensive value it's it's a tough thing because you need you know you also have the, the obviously the bigger bases this year and the pitchers not being able to throw over so you think that he'd be even more valuable as a base runner but of course the flip side is he's got to be on base in order for that to matter very, and, very true and it's not a, not been a sure thing with jorge mateo um mike i i do want to get your perspective on you know a couple of things i, I bring up that and obviously the, i think the bigger story during spring training has of course been the pitch clock how have you seen, like, you know, pitchers and hitters adjusting to it? Have you sensed frustration, or do you feel like they're on board and this is not going to be a major storyline by the time we get to the season because the players are just so adjusted to it already? Well, I think pitchers are definitely at, a, at, a, at an advantage, and I know the pitching coaches are going to use that pitch clock, even though there's some concern about, oh, my gosh, if it's a, you know, the inning starts getting away from a pitcher or a reliever comes in and can't throw strikes. I, I think pitchers are more attuned to the pitch clock, to be honest with you, especially the younger guys that have dealt with it in the minor leagues. And I think there are going to be pitch strategies around the clock to offset a hitter's rhythm and timing. And I think hitters are in a, just a completely unfair advantage with this clock they could be standing in the box for eight stinking seconds right and then they got to show that they're ready to hit that that just isn't going to work man i think there's going to be a problem for a lot of hitters and i think pitchers are going to use it against hitters all the time and uh so i'm not a big fan of that from a from a hitter standpoint and hopefully you know you you'd wish that things would get ironed out before they start implementing rules at the major league level but there are going to have to be adjustments made, I think. And I like all. I, I think we're all just going to kind of wait and see. But I know for a fact that hitters are uncomfortable with the way the clock is set right now. That's interesting. I, I have heard some arguments. I talked to Adam Jones yesterday, and he suggested, um, you know, hey, look, let, let's not penalize. Let's only implement this in the first six innings of a game. Let's not have a situation where this could play out in a big spot in a game. You need more time for those big moments. Steve Johnson threw out the idea to me that, like, maybe you don't penalize someone on the first violation, that you make it more like a running thing than on your third one. I, like, I understand that baseball wants the game. Like, I, I, I get the point. The rule's got to be a rule because you do. You want the game to move a little bit quicker. I just don't think we really want to see it be as punitive as we have seen it be at times already during spring training. No, I agree totally. I, I mean, I, I yeah, I think uh, if you let pitchers use this as a strategy, if you let umpires call strikes at balls because somebody's too late, things like that, I think you're going to have problems with some of the major league players. I mean, because this is their livelihood, you know what I mean? And, and listen, I, I think pitch clocks can work. I also think that they can be unfair. So if a hitter's in the box ready to go, the pitcher already knows what he's going to throw. I mean, it takes just one little press of button. Nobody's shaking pitches off anymore. So why do they have to wait eight seconds? 
you know, and I think if, if for some reason there is a, a disagreement with a pitcher uh, about the pitch he wants to throw, you, you've got to give the hitter a chance yeah, to step reset. out. Yep. You can't just let him freeze in the box. There's no way. I think it's fair. I think it's incredibly fair, and it's a lot to ask. So, I, I, are there more appropriate numbers then, time-wise, Mike? Like, if it's if it's twenty seconds for a pitcher, should it be fifteen for the hitter at that point? Well, I I, I think there are just going to be some things that have to get kind of worked through. I saw a couple strikes called on Orioles hitters when they were in the on deck circle, and gets the ball back. They start the clock, so the guy starts walking up to the batter's box and the pitcher isn't even close to being ready. He's not on the mound or he might be on the mound, but he's not ready to take toe hold of the, of the rubber and they call a strike on the hitter because he's not in there in eight seconds. So, you know, there just has to be a better yeah. feel, uh, maybe more of a judgment. Because, listen, umpires about forever had judgment calls. Why can't this be more of a judgment call on a feel? Even if the pitcher, the pitcher is going to be able to deliver the ball in 15 or 20 seconds. He's going to be able to do that, you know. So, but don't penalize the hitter for not getting in the box. None of these guys want to hold up a pitcher, but it's the pitchers that are going to hold up the hitter and cause that, you know, uncertainty and, and the potential for uh, locking a hitter up. So, yeah, I, I think there's a way to do it. You can, I just think you can, you're going to be able to talk about this and make it more confusing. Right. Umpires are getting sick and tired of all these extra rules too. So simplify this, you know, and, and if a hitter's standing in there, so what? Call a timeout. I mean, who gives a crap? I don't think hitters are going to keep calling timeout, timeout, timeout. Once they get their toehold, they're ready to hit and let the pitcher throw. Mike, before I let you go, um, I, the, my expectations are uh, Rookie of the Year if Gunner doesn't get it and Cy Young Award and pitching Game 7 of the World Series – but what are the reasonable expectations for Grayson Rodriguez? If I acknowledge that's probably maybe a bit too much, my expectations. What what you've seen of him and being down there and the talent and where he is ready to go for ramping up to his season, what is it that we can reasonably expect in year one from Grayson? Well, hopefully he gets some innings under his belt and he settles in at the major league level. Uh, Orioles have a nice group of young pitchers that – have really gone out and proven themselves uh, and deserve opportunities. Now, I, I think Grayson Rodriguez deserves a chance to be in the rotation as well. But listen, Major League Baseball, the good teams, it's all about competition and spring training. And if Grayson, for some reason, doesn't land in the five-man rotation, now, I, a lot of us think he should be a lock. Um, but listen, are you going to Braddish? What about Dean Kramer? Right. I mean, these guys... They dealt last year at the highest level. There's no way you could send them back down. So I, I think it's going to be interesting. I think Grayson Rodriguez is going to get his innings. What I would hate to see is all of a sudden Grayson Rodriguez make the club and pitch and do really well, and then all of a sudden come August, you got to manage his innings because he hasn't been exposed to you know X amount of innings. Um, and then all of a sudden that might hurt the team uh, down the stretch. So. I don't know. There, there's definitely a balancing act. I'm excited, like all of us, to see Rodriguez up there and see so many of these young prospects get their opportunities at the major league level because there's a boatload and there's a ton to be excited about uh, for Orioles baseball this season. All right, Mike Bordick, you want to remind everybody about the baseball warehouse and uh, and, and everything, a wonderful charity that you're involved with as well? 
Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, Baseball Warehouse is uh, pumping out some talent right now. It's fun to see baseball season underway. I know a lot of young kids want to get out there and, and get some lessons and, and just get loosened up and some reminders before the season ends. So Warehouse giving out some great lessons. We're having some clinics coming up as well. Uh, League of Dreams, a nonprofit, leagueofdreams.org. you got to check it out. We're doing so many wonderful things, and it's just getting uh, bigger and better. Uh, thank God the COVID issue is out, and we can get outdoors and let these kids experience some great baseball and softball. We're starting to dabble in other sports as well. And Don't be afraid to check out Alloy, alloysports.com. Ah, no man. doubt. It's an awesome re- research-based site. So uh, thanks for letting me share that. I really appreciate it. Always appreciate you, Mike Bordick. Look forward to doing this more frequently during the season. Thank you for taking the time for us today. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Mike Bordick with us here on GCR. Again, you'll be hearing him all year long on 105.7 The Fans Baltimore Baseball tonight. Of course, follow him on Twitter at mbordick as well. Had an interesting conversation. So Adam Jones joined us on the radio show yesterday, and I think for a lot of people the takeaway was that here we are, not even a year removed from the mess that was when Adam told us he was just not involved with the Orioles in any capacity and was upset about not being invited at the time back for the 30th anniversary celebration of the ballpark and things looked bleak. Well, you probably saw that Adam spent some time last week with the Orioles in Sarasota. Now, it wasn't an official capacity, he was there with the with BAT, the baseball assistance team, trying to raise money. It's a, a player group that helps take care of other players, and it's a charity to support baseball players when they fall into times of need. Something awful were to happen, you know, the baseball assistance team is there for them. So that's why he was down there. But what we learned from Adam Jones is that while he was down there, you know, visiting the Orioles with the baseball assistance team, he connected with leadership of the Orioles. In fact, he told us yesterday that he had dinner with John Angelos last week, which you hope is a step in a process of figuring out a way that Adam Jones can be involved in some sort of capacity, official capacity, with the Orioles moving forward. Like, that's the the really good news that came out of it. But then as we were just having fun and talking baseball, he had that suggestion of, look, do the pitch clock, but do it for the first six innings. And that would still create a scenario where, like, you have a team that's got a shot to put together a rally and could have their inning end without a pitch being thrown. Like, you never want to see an inning end without a pitch being thrown. And so that's going to continue to be the problem. Like, even in the fourth inning, if it's a big potential inning, the bases are loaded, two outs, and the inning ends without a pitch being thrown, we're going to be angry about that. But it's not going to become a controversy until it happens in a major moment. It happens in a major late-inning moment of a close game. People who don't pay attention to baseball day in, day out. By the way, the game is on TV today, so you'll have your first opportunity to watch the Orioles. But people who don't pay attention in a day in, day out capacity, these talking head shows on ESPN and Fox will suddenly be inundated with this. So Adam's argument was interesting, right? Like, implement it for the first six innings. That makes it a rule. Understand the final three innings of the game. It's like treating the final two minutes of a football game differently, right? Like, in the final two minutes of a football game, you go out of bounds, the clock stops. 
It's not the rule for the entirety. We all understand there are different rules in the biggest moments of certain games. In basketball games, in the final couple minutes, you can go over the monitor, make sure that you got the call right. You can't do that in the first half of a basketball game. We have, fairly or unfairly, in just about every sport, we have determined that we treat the later stages of the game differently than we treat the rest of the game. Is it fair? Eh, probably not. But it's what we do. There's precedent for separating and giving additional significance to late-game situations. So Adam Jones' argument is, dude, let them... There's a big moment in the eighth inning of a game. Build the drama. You don't need that to go as quickly. You want the second inning to move quickly. You don't want people to be sitting in their seats saying, God, this game is taking forever, and it's only the fourth inning of the game. But get through the first six innings at a good pace. Then let the drama build for the final three innings of the game. Let everybody feel it. If you're forcing the game to keep moving as quickly as you are in the second inning, then the seventh inning doesn't feel the way it should feel. It should feel big and dramatic and important and significant and all of those things. Maybe if it's an eight-run game in the seventh inning, you say, all right, we're leaving the pitch clock on. You know, you create scenarios by which the pitch clock is either on or off. But if it's a three-run game or less, you turn the pitch clock off. I don't know. But it was an interesting scenario, and hopefully, we also had Tim Kirkchen on yesterday. He suggested that baseball is going to keep listening, but his belief from having the conversations is that he thinks this is working and is not going to be that big of a deal because he senses and talking to all of the various teams that the players have adjusted to it and that they're ready for this when the season begins maybe so but we are still seeing more and more examples i didn't realize they were doing it at the college level by the way at the college level they're they're doing the pitch clock as well and it, uh, apparently there was a video yesterday that went out of the same event that maryland was playing in in minnesota Bad, By the way, bad yeah. weekend for Maryland baseball. Oh. Roughly, they lost. I was just gonna the say game. the field looked terrible. Well, it's bizarre. <laughs> it's just weird as hell. Why? Why do that event? Yeah, Maryland lost. Like they had a chance to knock off Vanderbilt, blew it in the, the ninth inning. It was just a, they, they lost another one to Ole Miss. Then they lost to Hawaii. It was a bad weekend for Maryland out in Minnesota. Bad weekend for Maryland. Everything. Maryland lacrosse loses in overtime. I think triple overtime to Notre Dame. Jeez. I mean, that's a really good team, but. Just a ba- bad weekend. Maryland women, you know, played yeah. a thriller against Iowa in the semifinals, but end up coming up short. Um, just a rough, rough weekend. If you're a Maryland fan, it was not a lot of good, not any good, frankly. I don't know. Maybe the, the softball team had a nice win or something. I don't know. I know there was a couple guys wrestling for the Big Great. Ten. There but you I, go. I don't know. There's, don't know there's that Maryland wrestling. Typically not very good. Yeah. So I'm not sure that that's going to be where you're going to find your solace. Um, but these are interesting ideas that were suggested by Adam Jones, and I'm not opposed to them. I, I, again, I, I'm with the spirit of what baseball is trying to do, but I'm vastly opposed to it being this punitive. Vastly opposed to that. So I think they have to figure that out. They have to work with how they prevent it from becoming punitive because that's not – you want the rule. You want the spirit of the rule. You don't really want the implementation of the penalty. That's not really what you want from this whatsoever. All right. Um, today's show also brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Speaking of baseball, baseball betting is here at PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Get up to five second chance bets, up to $50 each from PointBet, 
along with other great incentives and promos when you sign up at PressBoxOnline.com offers. Baseball futures bets, season specials, and player award bets are already live in Maryland. Go to PressBoxOnline.com offers now for your shot at winning big. We'll talk some Terps next with Brian Butch from Big Ten Network. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Baseball season is finally here, and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by O's fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise, including unique designs like Birds Are Coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high-quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports today to browse their collection and gear up for the season. Let's go O's! Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Have you experienced hardship due to COVID-19? CCBC has great news for you. We have funding available for short-term career programs like project management starting this March. Gain valuable skills to advance your career and get back on track. With CCBC's project management program, you'll learn how to effectively plan, organize, and execute projects. This is your chance to make a positive change in life. Contact us at 443-840-2222 or online ccbcmd.edu for more information. CCBC Project Management. Your new career starts now with funding available. 443-840-2222 or ccbcmd.edu. Another Orioles season is in the books, and the Bataround was there every step of the way as the Birds posted their first winning season in six years. And after promoting two number one overall prospects in Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson, Mike Elias has said it's liftoff from here. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and along with my co-host Zach Goodman, we'll be here every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon all off-season discussing every signing, trade, and waiver claim as we navigate the cold winter months that lead to spring training. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio. And if you miss a show, you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. So tune into the Bat Around with Paul Valley and Zach Goodman every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon right here at Pressbox Sports. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? 
We were just talking about Gunnar Henderson with Mike Bordick. He's on the cover of the new print issue of Press Box. Go get it for free right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Press Box. Read it all, pressboxonline.com. Go pick that up today. Uh, quickly before we talk to Brian Butch, yes, uh, the first domino has fallen in the quarterback market. There was about 60 different ways reporters were wording it, but the answer is Derek Carr is going to be a saint. Which is weird because, like, last night there was a bunch of heat around the Jets and Derek Carr. But today, the belief is it's done, essentially. It's not official, official, but um, to the point where Ian Rappaport said it's going to be a four-year deal for Derek Carr. I don't, I have not seen an actual number yet. That part would be interesting. I mean, I guess this now potentially puts pressure on the Falcons that they have to, you know, try to get a quarterback to compete in the division and then... Nah, the, I don't know how much Derek Carr does that. Like, I, don't well, I mean, think, he is the best quarterback in the division now. Yes, so. by default, because he's the only one in the division. Um, but I don't know if you're the Falcons. This makes you like the, the presence of Derek Carr doesn't make you suddenly say, "Well, it has to be Lamar Jackson." We couldn't do this with, you know, C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young or something like that. Like, I, you're always going to be much better off with Lamar Jackson. But Derek Carr, I. I know there are people that really love Derek Carr, and it's not like he never put up numbers. He did, but he regularly put up numbers because his team was getting their brains beat in. Um, I'll be as honest as I can about it. I'm glad he's not going to be an option for the Ravens. That's That, to me, is the story. I'm glad that we don't have to worry about Derek Carr being a solution for the Baltimore Ravens. I'm glad that the Ravens will either be you know Lamar Jackson or you know the draft, I guess, at this point. I mean, I, I guess they could still go with Geno Smith or Jimmy <sighs> I mean... Can't even say these things without... Ugh. Jimmy wins when he plays. Thank you. So. Wonderful. That means nothing. So there's that. I, it, like it, Jimmy Garoppolo is good enough for you to not be able to solve your quarterback position. That's exactly what Jimmy Garoppolo is. Well, if it's not Lamar Jackson, I mean, there's no... I, I, no, if it's not Lamar there's Jackson, no there's one thing it solved. should be. It's trying to figure out if you can find the next franchise quarterback. Anything other than just doing something that's good enough to not be good enough. I would rather you fall flat on your face trying to find the next guy than find the guy that you know is going to be good enough to be competitive but not good enough to do anything and is going to prevent you from finding your next guy in the process. Draft your quarterback. If it doesn't work out, then you draft another quarterback. And you keep it going until you find your guy. And that stinks because it could take you. That's not a joke. As Tim Hasselbeck brought up, it could take you a decade or longer. But that's the way this works. That's why, again, if it were me, I'd just go with Lamar Jackson. That would be my answer. But pussyfooting around with, well, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo went shut the entire F up. You're not winning a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. Stop pretending like you are. You're, you're talking yourself into it. It ain't happening. Stop. Geno Smith. God, get out of here. Not Geno Smith. Well, Geno Smith record. definitely is better than Jimmy Garoppolo at this point. There's no would debate you, about you would that. Say that. One thousand. If you get the guy that we saw last year, there was no question who was the better quarterback. It wasn't, frankly, quite close. He was throwing a DK Metcalf entire locket. Yes, he's not going to have that in Baltimore. I understand that, but Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to have anything in Baltimore either. Like, I mean, what, why are you pretending like it's different? 
Because I because I think Jimmy what what is your is, obsession is, with Jimmy Garoppolo? It's not obsession, but I'm saying if 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 it when it's not what Lamar does, Jackson, then what, what does Jimmy Garoppolo do? He he's almost won a Super Bowl multiple you keep, times. You keep saying no, he once he got to a Super Bowl once. He's gotten to the NFC Championship. Uh, okay, doing what? What did he do? Hey, he he played uh he played conservative football and and led and led his defense. Do and you his believe tight ends that and the Baltimore Ravens in this loaded AFC can play conservative football and get to the Super Bowl? Probably not. Thank you. But they're not doing it with anybody else either. I, I mean, I, this is why I would just go with Lamar Jackson. Yes. Yeah. 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 Or you try to find a dynamic superstar quarterback in the draft if you have to move on for whatever reason from Lamar Jackson. Stop non the, the nonsense that you can cut through this with some middle of the road quarterback. Anyway, sorry, I just don't want to do this forever. We're going to be late getting to Jeremy Kahn. We had to do this a little bit earlier on today because of his schedule. An opportunity to talk some turps with Brian Butch from Big Ten Network here on GCR. Yeah, Maryland drops a heartbreaker in the regular season finale at Penn State. Our next guest was on the call for Big Ten Network. He is former University of Wisconsin standout Brian Butch, and he's with us now here on GCR. Brian, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat. Thank you for taking the time for us. Uh, Glenn, I appreciate it. No, always good to talk. This is the best time of year. College basketball can't go wrong. Yeah, so. it's the best time of year except when there are three guys with a chance at a rebound and no one bothers to get it, Brian. That's all right. Let's. How, is the story of yesterday, this is truly how difficult it is to win on the, big, uh, the road in the Big Ten this season and don't overreact to any of it, or is it, yeah, but you still shouldn't be blowing a double-digit second-half lead and, again, not collecting a rebound when there are three of you standing there with a chance to win the game? I think both can be true. Life in the Big Ten on the road, it's not just Maryland. Illinois struggled. Iowa struggled. So it's not just Maryland that struggled on the road. Um, it's just how good they've been at home. And that's why you, know, you guys are in the situation you're at right now when you look at an NCAA tournament. They're not on a bubble. They're not worried about anything. They're in. And that's a thing to start this year off. Not everybody thought was going to be the case at all. There was a lot of thought of, okay, well, we'll just try to have a good season and then build from there. Well, you've blown by that, right? This is the first time, you know, when you look at the program, you've got program records, most wins under the first-year head coach, time for most conference wins, most AP top 25 appearances under a first-year coach, most AP top 25 wins under a first-year coach. So you look at what they've done, you've got to be thrilled about that. However, you still have to close out a game, and I think that was the biggest thing that I took away from that game there were a couple possessions. Penn State was making a run. They were hanging around. And the way they shoot the three, they do that a lot. Mm-hmm. So now, all of a sudden, you need to make sure you have some good possessions. I thought it went isolation a little bit towards that second half, um, towards the end of that second half. And that's kind of why they were in the situations they were. Um, I thought the matchup with Miles Dredd and um, Julian Reese was going to be a really tough one. It played out to be that way. It was kind of, you know, Miles Dredd was in. Coach Will decided to go a little bit smaller and, and go with uh, Emilian, right? Like so, I mean, you look at those sorts, those sorts of things. I thought that was, um, you know, really a really huge part of that. Now, the biggest thing for the tournament for you guys is Julian Reese has to be on the floor. Yep. I just whether it's matchups, whether it's not. I mean, he is an X factor. Obviously, we know it came home. He's got to play better. Did not play well last night either. Hasn't played well on the road. In the losses, he's averaging eight points. In the win, he's averaging 13. I mean, that, everybody knows that's the X factor. How do you get him to play through that a little bit? You hope you see it go through the ball. You know, the, the ball go through the net a little bit for him and maybe get some steals. He gets going to transition, those sorts of things. 
Brian, Brian, this is the difficult part, right? Because it's been kind of easy to figure out Maryland all season. Uh, they play at home, they're going to play really well. If they play on the road, probably not so much. What what do we make now, knowing that however many games it's going to be, none of them are going to be on, at home or on the road? Like, What could we possibly expect from this Maryland team now that we get to the point of the season where they're playing all neutral site games? Now, the positive is you guys have had some success in neutral site games. Yeah, and I think that's the thing the that year. they take away. Yeah. Right? Like, I think that's, I think that's the takeaway from that is, is there's some positive there. If it was all, you know, in Big Ten venues on the road, I don't know how Coach Willard gets a hold of his guys to get that out of their head. But they've had some success in neutral sites this, this year. So you rely on that. You rely on your successes. And I think that's the biggest thing with this Maryland team that you take. I, I like this team. I think this team is, is built for March. And the reason I say that, they defend. If you guard, you're giving yourself a chance in March. That's what they do. Now, the X factors are Julian Reese, Kimar, what do they do on the offensive side of the ball to make things difficult? Those are your two X factors. You know Jameer Young. You know he's going to play at an elite level. He's done it all year long. He did it against Penn State. And I actually think that you guys, Maryland, has played better on the road recently. Haven't had the results, but I think they've played better. They're starting to learn how to do that. I thought yesterday's game was a prime example of that. You know, could have been down by double digits in those first four minutes. And I think that's crucial for Maryland is those first four. But Julian Reese took over a little bit, had the first six points, kept them within a four-point lead, and then all of a sudden, Everything calmed down a little bit for Maryland, and they pushed that lead out. Now, they gave that lead up in the second half. Penn State's a tough team just because of how many threes they shoot. Style of play, it's really hard. you got to stay locked in for all 40. They had some bad possessions that, that led to some long rebounds, which then led to some transition threes. And when Penn State has threes like that going in, they're really tough to go. He is Brian Butch, Big Ten Network. He's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Brian, uh, acknowledging it is difficult to win on the road anywhere, um, acknowledging that there is the, this, the floor that has been established by Kevin Willard in his first year, we're, we're all very excited about where this program is headed. But, but do I mean, this is almost absurd. They're going to go the entire season. Their only wins on the road are going to be over, I mean, truly – a, a terrible, terrible teams in Louisville and Minnesota. They couldn't even beat a mediocre team on the road. Like, do do we have to file that away at all? Like, is that something that you know Kevin Willard's going to have to like prove next year? Hey, look, this is not the story. It's just a weird anomaly the way that it played out last year. This is not part of the story of the Kevin Willard era of Maryland basketball. Yeah, I think it's too early for that. <clears throat> and the reason I say that is, I think. Kevin's going to get kind of some more of his guys. Yeah. Um, and when I, when I mean that, like you watch Kevin coach, there's a lot of grit in him. I mean, this, this guy is a competitor. This guy competes. You look at those Seton Hall teams. If it would have been an issue with, in Seton Hall and we would have seen carryover there, I'd be more worried about it. But we haven't seen that. I mean, Seton Hall won a lot of role games. You know those type of kids that he recruited. Uh, so I think he, he'll put his stamp even more on this program. Like I said, what he's done, what he's done in year one, uh, to, to come in and do what he's done already, you guys absolutely have to be thrilled yep. at where you guys stand. I mean, you, you especially in this league this year, I mean, good luck. So, um, you know, for where he's standing right now, 11-9 and in the league, 21-11 um, overall, like, r- great season. Now you get to March. And, again, when you defend, you give yourself a chance. 
And that is the reality. And that thing, too, they have great point guard play, right, in, in terms of Jameer Young. And, and now it leads to the secondary question, which is, what do you do if you're Jameer Young, right? Um, you got the opportunity to take a fifth year. We, we're in an NIL era. And while he could probably go play and make some good money in Europe, it's not likely that he's going to be in the mix for the NBA given his size. Although, you know, my God, what a hell of a player he is and why he was toiling away at Charlotte instead of being at a, a high-level uh-huh. program, I don't know. But what do you do now if, if you're Jameer Young and you look and you see, hey, look, there's a, a top 15 recruiting class coming in. We could maybe do something special. And again, the, the game has changed, and you do have the option to make some money while you continue to play collegiately. It's simple. I played overseas. I played professionally for 10 years all over, bounced all over the place. Love my time doing it. Great that I got to do it. But there is nothing like college basketball. And then you add some money on top of it, some NIL opportunities, and I'm sure Maryland's pretty, pretty well off when it comes to that as far as figuring some stuff out, especially with the way that he's played. Like, it's a no-brainer to me. It really is. Because you look at how um, – well, what people don't realize, these college kids don't realize overseas, you're by yourself. You're in a different country. You, time zones are different. So you, you're not connecting the way you used to connect with your friends back home. That chemistry that you have in locker room, it's a professional sport. Yeah. These guys have families and kids and all those sorts of stuff that your teammates. They're not, you're not hanging out in the locker room like you do in college. In college, you might have a girlfriend, but she's just a girlfriend. It's not a wife and kid. You know, I know some people are married with kids, but very rare. So, hey, let's go grab lunch afterwards. Let's go do this together. Let's go to, you know, hang out. Let's all those sorts of things that you do in college. As soon as you become a pro, it doesn't happen like that. Everybody thinks it does on their way out the door, but it doesn't happen like that. So for me, my, my advice always, is, especially for Jameer Young, you come back and see what you can do. I mean, your, your legacy can be built even more based on what you do in, in Maryland and at Maryland. Your legacy over in Ukraine, your, your, your legacy over in Germany, France, wherever it might be, it'll be, it'd be good, but people won't remember you for that. Mm, mm, you can be eternal if you end up uh, having a magical season next year, maybe like a, make a run in the Final Four. You'll never be forgotten. And, and with that said, like, I, I think there is a lot of feeling around here, Brian. Like, if this is what Kevin Willard can do without recruiting, if this is what he can do, you know, just trying to, you know, pull off some pieces from the, the transfer portal, which you'll be able to do every year, is, is what, what could the ceiling possibly be? Again, it's disappointing given that they couldn't win a road game, but I, do you start to feel that, like, Kevin Willard truly has the opportunity to get Maryland back into – like national prominence here in the next five years or so? Well, I do. I mean, this this job at Maryland was always a job in the D.C. area where you can recruit with the best. Your players, I mean, what you have there in that D.C. area, I mean, it's some of the best players around. So, yes, it is a job that was always a sleeping giant. I say sleeping giant because um, a lot of success, but where you can win national championships, too. And I think that's kind of why Coach Willard jumped at it when it was available because you have that ability to do this. So, yes, I think it, what you guys have built, what Coach Willard has built, that foundation year one, it, you only have the opportunity to really continue to grow on it. Now, how do you manage it? How do you manage transfers? All those things go into play, and I get that. And the toughest thing is when you start winning, how do you handle expectations? Because we know Maryland fans. The yeah. Expectations are extremely yeah. high. Yep. How do you manage those? This year one, the expectations weren't to do what they do. 
How do you handle those? That's the biggest question mark that I have. Oh, it's going to get crazy. We're going to go from, hey, this was yep. a lot of fun, to if you don't win a national championship in three years. I mean, like, it's just – that's Which the, is crazy because yeah. in the Big Ten, they haven't won one in 23 years. Yeah. But that I, I, I know yeah. it's crazy, but it's, the fan bases are great. But that that's the one thing that drives me crazy with fan bases. I understand passion is a good thing, but being realistic, too, is, is has to play a little bit of factor. And with fans, they don't have that as much. Brian, before I let you go, I'm wondering if you could answer this question for me as honestly as you're capable of doing, knowing that like Big Ten basketball is is part of how you get your your bread buttered. Everybody talks about the parity in the league this year. Is that because this league is really good this season, or because the majority of the league is really mid this season? Yeah, it's a great question. I think when you look at this, I think the league is good. I don't think the league is great. Yeah. Now that being said, right? Like I think it's good. It's not. I don't think it's great. But that being said, you put this league against the other leagues around, and now you have to evaluate. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like against the ACC, you can put a, put a whole bunch of Big Ten teams in there, and they're going to win a lot of games in the ACC because ACC just isn't that good this year. Right. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at you look at it that way. Like, okay, now how do we evaluate it? Um, you put the Big Ten in the Pac-12. They're going to win a lot of games. Pac-12 is not that good. The Mountain West this year was better than the Pac-12. That's fair. As far as teams, right? So I think it's how do you look at it throughout the league. I think the, the, I think in general this year is parity in college basketball. Now, I mean, what does Purdue win? You know, I think we've seen some, some vulnerability within Purdue. I think that's the thing. I think the Big Ten, each team has a weakness. Years past, I don't think they had as many weaknesses. And I think that's the question mark. Now, how have they performed in the NCAA tournament? They haven't performed well. Watch this year be a year where you get four or five teams in the Sweet 16. Right. And we all look at it and say, what in the world's going on? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's just, that's one of those things. I don't think it has that strong dominant team where you're like, wow, how is that? How could they possibly lose to, you know, the eighth seed. How could Purdue lose to an eight? Well, no, we, we, I think we could all see that happen. hundred percent. So I don't think, I don't think there's going to be those, those shockers in the NCAA tournament. We're like, how in the world did that happen to the big 10 team? We've seen it enough. Like the, that's their weakness. The team they're matched up with, they took advantage of that weakness because that was one of their strengths. And now all of a sudden they're out of the tournament, but that's what the NCAA tournament is. Like you've got to have a really good draw. You have to play against teams that kind of, Come, combat a little bit of what you do, right? Like, and, and if they're really good at it, you get a chance to lose. Otherwise, you get a chance to have a nice draw that now all of a sudden it plays to your strengths because those teams can't, you know, attack your weaknesses. You're going to make a deep run. Um, but I, I do think when we look at this, this league this year, I think it's been really fun. It's been really entertaining. But I think it's been that way because there hasn't been this, you know, strong, you know, one or two teams. It's been a bunch of teams that are just like, okay, we're good. We've got some weaknesses, yeah. but we still can win a lot of big games. Vulnerable. And I think overall man. throughout college basketball, right? Like, I think that's the thing. At Brian underscore Butch is how you follow him on Twitter. Brian, is there anything we can plug for you that you've got coming up? Not a whole lot. We've we've calmed down a little bit with the, with the season here. We'll all be down in the Final Four doing some stuff for my radio show. I do a radio show in Wisconsin statewide. It's, I heart nine to nine to twelve same time you guys do a show, but um, we I do that and I run a whole bunch of youth basketball camps. But just I'll say this, guys, like I love the game of basketball. I love continuing to 
to talk it. Um, anytime you guys want me to jump on, love to do it. It's, it's fun. It. Big Ten basketball is fun, and, uh, and I'm glad Coach Willis has it keep going. Because when Maryland's good, it only elevates the league. And I imagine much like in my life, in your life, like uh, in, in our life, it's like Lamar Jackson 24-7. I imagine it's the exact same thing for you guys out there with Aaron Rodgers. So yeah, Way I, too much. I am so I am so done with it. We talk about it every single day. Why? Yeah. Because you have to. It's yep. what, I mean, it's, it's news. It's the f- um, People it, get it, it, same thing with you guys are dealing with, but for me, it just let's make a decision, move on right. one way or the other. <laughs> that's where I uh, am. I'd love to have, I'd love to have far. All right, excuse me, far. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's turned into. I'd love to have Rogers back, but I think Jordan Love. It, there's also a time, and we're getting close to it. The more wavering you do, that to me that says, okay, let's move on. Very so. interesting. Very interesting. Brian Butch really enjoyed this, man. Thank you so much for taking the time for us this morning. Any anytime, anytime. Should be a great Big Ten tournament. Should be a great NCAA tournament. That's Brian Butch from the Big Ten Network with us here on GCO after a brutal loss for Maryland yesterday. Into hour number two of today's program. It's also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and by a Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. There weren't any uh, particularly brutal losses for this man this weekend. He was red hot, as you see his picks at pressboxonline.com. He's our buddy Jeremy Kahn, and he's with us once again here on GCR. What's going on, pal? How are you? What's up, what's up, man? I'm outside of a Jiffy Lube getting my oil uh, changed or that's, oil checked, however second. you want to put that's it. Not a, that's not a euphemism, is it? No, no, I'm... So if you hear some dinging in the background yeah. of some cars, my apologies. That's, but that's quite, I tried to get to the most quiet spot ever just so we could whisper that, to each other. That's quite all right. You know what's really funny? I have realized that you and my wife have something in common, and it's not just having sex with me. Um, oh. <laughs> it, it, yeah. the best line ever. Yeah, right? oh. it's, yeah, I, I thought I might go, play around with that, but no, I just figured I'd go direct with that one. Um, <laughs> it, it's that like you, your existence on Facebook is used for sharing memes. And yeah. the thing is, my wives are very annoying and worthless. Like she literally said to me the other day, you didn't see, I did the generator to find out what kind of Barbie doll I would look like. And I'm like, what, is that how you spend time? Is that, oh. is that what you're doing with your life? And yet that's what you do with your day. And I'm wildly entertained by it. Yeah, I, I try to find, because look, there are plenty of things that I, I try to, um, what is it, toe the line a little bit. Maybe I step over sometimes with yeah. some of the posts, because God, God forbid I end up uh, sending one of the things or posting one of the things that I send to my friends that shouldn't be on Facebook. So I've never been banned by Facebook or Twitter or anything like that. Um, but, but yeah, some of them can be a little sensitive, if you will. Yes, but I think they're quite entertaining, so I enjoy Thank them you. a great deal. Um, I did say I was a pretty good follow on Facebook, so yeah. Um, as I, that's all I do is post memes and anything that's coming up or anything to promote and help friends out. That's, right. that's all I use Facebook for. And, and I'm the yeah. I am in the phase of my life where the entirety of my existence on Facebook is pictures of my kids. That's it. That's all yeah. I do with Facebook is pictures of my kids. Um, Jeremy, I, I guess we'll actually talk about some sports here because there's significance. What do you make of the idea of going non-exclusive on Lamar? Like in a weird way, it's intriguing to me. I just, if they were, if this were to end with Lamar Jackson being gone and the Ravens only getting two first-round picks back, it would go down as one of the greatest blunders in the history of this franchise, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think so. Because if they go non-exclusive, I think he's gone. Because this almost feels like the um, 
Ray Lewis go out and test the market and see what's out there, right. just so you know that nobody else is giving you the guaranteed deal. And I feel like the Ravens are bonkers if they think somebody's not going to give it to them. Yep. I mean, you got 31 other teams. We can probably eliminate half that don't need a quarterback. And then the rest of those teams, somebody will, at least in my opinion, come forward and pay that type of money. Well, so, it's interesting. I, like, I talked to Tim Hasselbeck about it the other day, and he said, well, look, you're doing it because you're going to give them the deal, right? Like, that's the way it's going to go. And in a strange way, there could be a benefit for it because it could get the heat off of Steve Bishotti if, okay. you know, he lets, like, he, if he lets him test it, you go out and you find out the Falcons are willing to go fully guaranteed. And Steve Bishotti walks back in at the owners' meetings next year like, I don't know why you're pissed off at me. Go be pissed off at Arthur Blank. I wasn't going to do this until he forced me to, right? Like, don't. And, and See, and so, that's that's funny because, like, I I think that's such a great point. I never even thought about it from that standpoint. What Tim said that it could end up like that. I just worry that someone offers him a deal, puts a poison pill in there that the Ravens right. can't match. You know, that's what's happened before, where they front load a contract and you can't match it, and then you ultimately give up the two first round picks or come to some sort of agreement. But um, I. You know, I guess it, it just saves them a couple bucks on the back end instead of going $45 million But that's But that's the weird part, right? Like, if mm-hmm. you're going to sign him, then you, he's not going to play for that. So you don't really get any advantage of the you know, non-exclusive tag being that much less because you're just going to sign him anyway and reestablish a number. I, I am intrigued by that part of the argument, but to your point, that is still the part that I keep coming back to. What if the Falcons or whoever, insert team name here, the new whoever the new owner of Washington is that's going to be pulling the strings, um, says, we don't care, structure the deal, to your point, that it's $70 million in the first year, make it so the Ravens can't match it, then yep. even with all of your intention being we're just going to match whatever deal is out there, you end up getting screwed in the process. Like I just don't think you can afford to take the risk that ultimately, is there any scenario where you could lose Lamar Jackson for just two first-round picks? And if there is, you can't do it. Yeah, it's it, you know what? I, I, again, I go back to what Tim uh, Hasselbeck said to you that I think that's interesting, but I'm so worried about the risk, man. No. I don't want to play games. Like, you know how I think sometimes in a draft you might get cute, like you trade back and nobody took your guy. Right. And then you're like, well, we just got this good offer. If we move back three more spots and maybe we won't, you know, our guy might be there, but if he's not, we still like this guy. Like, I don't like playing games with what I think is a sure thing, and that sure thing is Lamar Jackson. We've seen him play in this league. We know he can play. I think he's a generational talent. Um, they've, they've proven that he's done more with less than anybody in this league. You know, you look at the wins and losses and statistically how much, you know, money they put in the offense and, and all the other things that have been invested. I think you have your guy. The problem is you're at this impasse now where he wants guaranteed money and you don't want to give it to him. And I guess now we're just playing chicken until somebody budges where right. you get straight. And, and my second part of the Hasselbeck argument is if you're willing to match fully guaranteed if someone else offers it, why not just get it out of the way and get it done with and not play any of these games? Why not just do it yeah. now and set up the rest of your offseason so you have this taken care of? Like if your point is, well, we'll only do that if we know someone else offers it, I think you can be reasonably certain, to your point, Jeremy, that somebody else would be willing to offer it. Maybe we just skip past that part and go ahead and get the deal done. And you know what's funny, man? I, I totally get that, and that stuff pisses me off, too. Like, I know it from a radio standpoint, and I'm not trying to compare like myself and right. Lamar, but, right. but understanding, like, how many times have we been at a radio station and we ask them for money and they say they don't have it, oh, we can't do it, th- this and that, and then all of a sudden somebody else offers you a deal wow, now you're worth that type of money. So I needed somebody, you know, you needed that leverage. And, and right. I hate that about, like, if you put in the work and you know the guy works his ass off, you don't have questions about it, 
I'm not telling you you got to overpay him, but like, why play games if you know you're ultimately going to pay him that? <laughs> so, uh, I guess I mean, maybe it is. Maybe it does make sense from a standpoint. And there's something I'm not thinking about regarding the whole process of this, where if he goes out and he gets a lesser deal and he sees he's not getting the type of money, but I, ultimately I think a team will offer it to him. Maybe that makes sense. I, I don't know. Um, that's a, that's kind of a weird one for me because I thought it was exclusive tag or trade him yep. right away. Like I, I didn't think there was any other option. Where are you with um? You know, like I have said all along, I'm. It's if it's not Lamar Jackson, I'm drafting a quarterback. Like I have never been okay with the idea. Like when I see that Derek Carr is going to the Saints, my reaction is good. I'm glad there was no thought on the Ravens' part that that could be their answer at quarterback. I'm not pussyfooting around with some stopgap quarterback that you know is going to be good enough to not be good enough, right? Like, he's going to be just yeah. good enough to keep you from being able to draft your next quarterback, but not good enough to actually do anything with. Um, if To me, it's very simple. If it's not Lamar Jackson, you better love, and you have better done this in your arithmetic. If, if you're not in love with this group of quarterbacks, if you're like, well, I really like Caleb Williams better, yeah, so does everybody else. Like, the idea that yeah. you're going to be the team that's just going to be able to be get Caleb Williams next year is nonsense. There's going to be 32 teams that want Caleb Williams. Um, that I, I am either – if I'm not in love with this group's cl- class of quarterbacks, then to me, that makes Lamar Jackson all that much more valuable to me and more I'm quicker to pay the number that I need because I can't mess around with it. It's got to be Lamar or a drafted quarterback. Yeah, it, my, my only problem with that is, like, I'm not necessarily in love with any of the quarterbacks in this draft. I like C.J. Stroud better than the rest of them. Um, I, I do think he's the best passer of the group. Will Levis is interesting from, you know, he's got the strongest arm in the draft. People are comparing him to Josh Allen. And now everybody's talking about Anthony Richardson because, you know, he's a linebacker playing quarterback with, you know, or a small forward, if you will, his ability to jump and run, all the things he can do. But everything that everybody's talking about, I still want to see how good of a passer he is because he struggles on the out routes. So, um, I, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of tough because I, I do think in what you said, Caleb is the truth. Caleb is, I'm not going to say it's a no-brainer uh, foregone conclusion, but it's a no-brainer. It's a foregone conclusion that I think he's the number one overall pick in the draft next year, barring an injury, and I think he's the real deal. So I would do everything I could to get that guy. That being said, I don't feel that way about any of these quarterbacks. So unless you make a move with like the Texans or you make a move with Atlanta and you feel comfortable where you're at. Cause I think three of the quarterbacks are going to go into top five. So then you're left with whatever's left there. And if you like that, okay, great. But if you don't, then I wouldn't reach for a quarterback if I didn't love the guy that was sitting there. But again, that would all be factored into my decision about Lamar Jackson. Like that, that, yeah. that to me, like you, if you're, if, and I get what you're saying, I'm not in love with any of these guys, but I'm going to bet that at least two of them proved to be really good NFL quarterbacks. Um, if you're not in love with these guys, that to me, you can say, hey, well, that doesn't change how I value Lamar Jackson. You're damn right it changes how you value Lamar Jackson because well, these are your options. You can't just invent a rock star quarterback or pull it out of thin air because you think there might be a wart related to the guy that you have. Well, look, you're, you're running a risk, too, with next year. I would just say this. If you are trading Lamar, you're more than likely getting a first this year and a first next year. Right. Okay, so – that that's that's going to happen. It depends where the first is this year, or do you want to, you know, take some of your picks and move up to go get a guy you covet, or with two first round picks, maybe could you wind up with a draft like this year, where the number one overall team doesn't need a quarterback, and they're most likely going to trade that pick. So, could you end up with that next year and make a run for Caleb Williams? Because next year, whoever goes up to move up and get him, if it's not the number one team taking him. I guarantee you're going to have to give up three first-round picks I, or a, just a lion's share of picks. That, and so that's the issue, right? Like, it, are yeah. your picks going to be enough? That's the 
to say, hey, just stockpile picks and go get Caleb Williams, yeah, but you don't think there's another team that's considering that right now? Like, you don't think there's uh, – yeah. That, that's the way we're treating Absolutely. Caleb Williams is that he's a generational talent. So presumably there's still a chance that whoever ends up with a number one pick says, you know, yes, we'd, we'd rather have Caleb Williams than three first-round picks. Sorry. Like, we're, yeah. we're not, well, we're not that, doing this. That's why I said you, you're going to be run, you're going to be hoping that a team like the Bears that doesn't right. need him Correct. Ends would up rather being, take those – yeah. So up, it, it's, it's problematic. I just it couldn't be my strategy for how I'm handing the quarterback position, right? Like if it happened to work out, God bless, Papa bless. But the my plan for the quarterback position is hoping that you can be yeah. the one team out of thirty two that ends up getting Caleb Williams. The hell with that, man. Well, I can't. No, do and, that. and I agree with you. Like, but I'm not opposed to the one year. Ugh, I'm gonna. Ugh, the one year Jameis Winston, no. Geno Smith. No. Uh, yep. The one. You know. The, no. I, I saw the picture of. Um, Alex Jones before and after, and they were doing the thing with the Saints where right. it said the Saints with Dalton, the Saints with uh, David or Derek Carr. Yeah, and it's just funny because you get it's like yeah, he looks a little bit better, but I really don't see a difference. No, so, correct. But I, I do think Derek Carr helped the Saints. That would have been the guy that I would have said, okay, he's one that I could what's the right word settle for, and I don't even think that's fair because he's better than that. He's the one guy I could have seen saying, okay, I'll bring him in with this group and see what he can do. Um, uh, the rest of the guys on the open market, I'm not in love with. See, I, and it's a weird feeling. I actually, for the Saints, because their division stinks and because the NFC is wide open, I, I don't think they're going to win it with Derek Carr, but I think they can be competitive. I don't think there's a oh, chance. I think they win it with him. Oh, I, I don't. I think they can win this division, depending on. You yeah. Know, like, oh, I thought that's what you were talking I, about. I mean, I don't think they can win the NFC with Derek Carr because I still think okay. they have too many holes. Like right now, I mean, I obviously I like they they have one wide receiver that we all like a whole heck of a lot, but. They're probably going to need to replace Alvin Kamara. Like, they don't really have a tight end that stood out from that group a year ago. Like, they still have other things they've got to do to upgrade that offense beyond just getting a quarterback. But to me, Derek Carr in the AFC is, I mean, he's what, the eighth, ninth best quarterback? And this is, the to me, the problem the Ravens are dealing with is, I, and the reason why I was never going to be okay with it being Derek Carr is, do you think Derek Carr is breaking through from the group of Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Trevor Lawrence, yeah. Justin Herbert? Like, I, there's not a chance in hell to me that you can win with that in the AFC. No, but I've, I've seen a lot of people say that the Ravens are built like the 49ers. They don't have a Debo, so I'm not I mean, trying to say that. But when you look at similarities, I think there are a lot. They don't have a, um, they don't have so a pass-catching you, running back. Well, I mean, I think they do. They just don't throw to him. I think Dobbins can be a pass-catching running back. But, he, but, but, he, but we've um, never, he never even did it in college. That's, like, it's funny you say that because his skill set, I would agree with you, but he's never mm-hmm. done it ever. Like We've never seen anywhere that J.K. Dobbins and, – and I'm, by the way, the standard, of course, being maybe the greatest pass-catching running back ever if you're trying to be the 49ers, we've never seen him catch the ball anywhere. Like It's just to count on that and say, hey, if you just start throwing it to him, he'll be that guy – I hope so, because he's going to be here, and you need to throw the ball to him more often. But we've never seen it anywhere that he's that guy. Fair enough. I, look, but we're not talking about like being a pass-catching running back. And I, I, this gets brought up all the time. It, they're catching some of the easiest passes you're ever going to catch in your life. Like, they're not – these are, like, pitch and catch. And it's not all the time. Like, if you're going to run a running back on a wheel route, of course it could become something different, you know, where you're looking at a big play down the sideline. But I'd say 80% of the passes they catch – just pitch and catch and then seeing what you can do after but yeah. that's just me that's how i feel about that because i feel like that gets overblown I, now I, you know guys like adrian peterson can't catch right so, but, but i, would, I guess what i'm saying is in trying to become the next 49ers that's christian mccaffrey that we're talking about like that's not just yeah, a but, you know like I, I i think that we are 
we are giving I, I think we're pretending like the 49ers thing can be replicated where we have to acknowledge the 49ers thing is the anomaly. Like it almost requires everything going right with a Kyle Shanahan offense to in order to be able to make that work. The idea of thinking oh. that you can replicate that somewhere else to me is it's really yeah, tough. And I, and I don't disagree with that, but I do I do see like I see the similarities. It's like people telling me I look like Denzel. Like, right. It I does. Like yeah, no, it's a great point. I do point. see the similarities. Yeah, there are there are yeah. there are things that are similar. About Actually, that. the correct answer was Tim Allen. I'm sorry. Right. That, that's what. One. Yeah. They're very close. The, the two of them got confused regularly over the years. Very. Some very random close. person said that to me the other day, and I was like, "Son of a bitch, man! Right. Are you kidding me, Tim Allen?" Did you really God, get that? Do you get that somewhere? Like, hey, by the way, I now get it I gotta, all the time. I got to think about it. Yeah, because the Santa Claus thing, I understand that. Yeah. Um, they even said some people think my the rest of my facial features look like his, even without the beard. When you just look at the, you know, my my beautiful eyes, nose, and my big ears. Okay, so there was a there was a, Jeremy Khan is with us, and now there's the part where we just this devolves. There was a girl who once said to me when I was, I think I've talked to you about this. When I was fat, I always was fishing for Jack Black. Like, if I was out one night and the girl told me that I reminded her of Jack Black when I was fat, I was like, oh, I'm getting laid tonight. Like, that's yeah. – that, whatever it was, he was, like, the palatable fat guy. Like, because he was – Yeah, I can see it, you out he was, yeah. he was funny and he was charming and despite being fat, he was willing to take all of his clothes off. And so, like, women saw what he looked like <laughs> naked and they were like – yeah, we can deal with that. So when I was out, if I got Jack Black, I was like, oh, I'm good. <laughs> like, this night is going the right way. I got – tell me what when, – again, when I was fat, I got, you look like Jonathan Taylor Thomas with weight. And I have <laughs> – that has stayed with me for the entirety – compliment. What is that? What did that mean? You look like I, Jonathan Taylor Thomas with diabetes. Right? <laughs> Like, I have thought about that line so many times. This was maybe 15 years ago. No, it's got to be longer than that. God, I'm, I'm, I'm 40 at this point. This might have been yeah. 17, 18 years ago. And I have I thought have, about that for 20 years now. I just start to think about every one I would get. It's not really all that flattering. I, like, when I was younger, I would get Nick Cage a lot. Okay. Um, and then when I got older, I got Brandon Webb when I had, like, the little chin goatee thing going on, my chin scrap. Um, the old pitcher for the Diamondbacks, which I know you know, but I don't know how many people know. And then the lead singer of Lady Antebellum, the guy, not the girl. But I would get that all the time. That's I don't know what the lead singer of Lady Antebellum looks like. So Look I'm him gonna, up. You'll see right, it. Lady, it's, it's pretty good. Lady Antebellum. Okay. Pretty good. Okay. Yeah. yeah well, right. my beard was thinner, and I had just like the, like I said, it was, you know, it wasn't long. It was really short. I could see it. I could see it. I yeah. don't. And by the way, I don't think that's a bad one. I would take that one. No, right? like, no. I, 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 again, I don't, I don't think any of them are ultimately all that appealing. Like that's what you're looking for. That's the only one that I went. Oh, all right. Have you it's ever? Okay. Have you ever gotten one that was so like both genuine from the person and completely puzzling to you because you found yourself saying, "What the hell? I don't look anything like this person." Oh yeah, I had somebody tell me I look like Steve Buscemi, and what? I'm going, I like. Are you messing with me, or yeah. is this something real? Like you really think that's like, a pretty nothing e looks that's a pretty effed yeah. up one too, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Well, because like I mean, come on, like are are we being serious? Because the, the only thing that he and I have in common, like physically, is that we're both white. <laughs> that's I, it. I I can't. So, think and you know, if you're white, you're Ben Affleck. So I guess that's probably <laughs> right. the best one I got. That is not a bad one. I um I, this one is one that has sat with me for forever. I was backstage one time at a WWE show. 
And there was a female wrestler. Her name was Alicia Fox. And I was enamored with Alicia Fox. Like, I would talk about it regularly that I was in love with her. And I was, you know, going to be cool. I wasn't going to be weird or creepy or anything like that. But she approaches me, like, comes right up to me, puts her arms around me, and yells out, Man Beast! And I was like, oh. do you think I'm Brock Lesnar? Like, what the hell is going on right now? <laughs> it was the yeah, single. Stop it, lady. And then she looks at me again. She's like, oh, oh, you're not who I thought you were. And I was like, who did you think I was? I want to know more. Yeah, to your point, though, like, I don't think I look like Steve Buscemi, but I also don't believe my grandmother that I was the most handsome little boy in the entire world. Well, so I I'm don't not know, stupid, Jeremy. But <laughs> it's, you know what's really weird about that is your grandmother told me the same thing. I, I don't know God. how to tell you that. Nana? Yeah, she don't told me the that. exact same thing. She's fishing for compliments, I know. Oh, that Nana. Hey, what do I do? Um, my wife and I are both turning 40 this year, right? Um, which I don't really care about, but I like getting people. I do like doing things for my birthday. I like this is just an excuse to try to get people together, and, and you know I'm at that, that that age where it's nice to get people together. Um, she says to me, "I don't want anything crazy, just like a night with you and the kids." She's definitely lying, right? Like she definitely wants me to put together. She wants some- to play paintball. That's-, That's what she wants to do. Done. It's it's a definite. I can Done. tell it in just the way she said that. She wants you to take her paintballing. <laughs> And I'm you guys in. shoot the hell out of each I'm, other. I'm in. I am yeah. so. But right, like I'm. I'm correct. You have to get her something. You have to. No, do no, something. no. I mean, like a gift. I get that. But like, I have to do an event, right? Like, I have yeah. to do yeah. something. No matter what she says, she really wants me to put together some sort of event, right? I think thirty is the perfect surprise party. But you can also do it for forty. You don't have to if you want to make sure you're inviting all of her friends. But it, once you hit that 10-year mark, you know, you have to do something. That's what I feel like. I feel like yeah. that's the, – because there is some small part of me that worries that, like, she's not excited about turning turning 40 and she doesn't really want attention about it and all that sort of stuff. But, like, I don't think so. I think she wants – I think she – like, I knowing her, I think she wants attention. Yeah, if you want, I could come over and juggle with a beer bottle on my ass. Please. Peter Cetera's glory of love. I would – oh, dinner. my God. It's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah, I mean – what yeah, doesn't say I love you more, or what says I love you more than that? Right? How many? Uh, I mean, that's, I, I'm just going to go ahead and ask the question. How many uh, times have you been hired to perform in such a way? Well, hey, yeah, I usually do it for family events, but you're a friend, and I consider you family. So I don't want to take this trip on the road yet. I mean, I still got a lot of work to do. Yeah, got to work out the kinks before it's available yeah, for hire. More ass kegels. <laughs> Is that a thing? No, it should be. I know that much. If it isn't, if it isn't, it sure as hell should be. I've worked my way up to the 40-ounce bottles now. Oh, God. All right, pal. I got nothing else. I'm tapped. (laughs) Where do we go from there? Uh, What's coming up on the Big Bad Morning Show this week? Well, the whole show's back this week. Everybody, Ed's back from vacation, so I'm sure more shenanigans as we're busting our chops. But, you know, waiting for the Terps in the Big Ten, seeing how that game goes. I think they're going to end up playing Nebraska, and Nebraska's playing good basketball, but um, you know, and then obviously Orioles, Ravens, we'll have the Lamar stuff this week, or at least something, yep. uh, franchise tag. and So more to talk about. It's going to be fun. Uh, of course, 610 every morning on 105.7. The fan and picks every day, pressboxonline.com, at JeremyCon1057 on Twitter. Love you, buddy. Please uh, please work, Thanks, on those, work on those Kegels. I'll be in touch. <laughs> See you, man. See you, pal. It's JeremyCon with us here on GCR. Yeah, I think I have to do something. Like, I do. I just think that's the way. Like, I don't think – I don't I – don't, I don't think she's really saying, like, do nothing. I think she just doesn't feel like she can say that. Like, she's supposed to be like, oh, no, it's not that big of a deal. I don't care. I think I have to do something. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, so I mean, I wish twenty. You I know. I, you I, can't I, I wish I could. I wish I could help you, you out. Yeah, there's nothing you can offer me to this conversation in any way. Maybe. Thank you, thank you, Griffin. Dynamite observation. I appreciate it. It's a uh, not. And I'll call him the best color analyst in baseball for nothing. <sighs> Yikes. Yeah, practice. That's probably what I'll do. Is like I do a small thing with her and the fa- and then I do a, an actual event. <laughs> it's good, good too because good luck. it's not like I didn't just take the entire family to Disney World. <laughs> totally had two two birthday events. Why not five? <laughs> God. Yeah. God. Hey. Yeah, we'll do just, something. I'll yeah. figure it out. Do something for each night of the week. Here's what I know. It's going to be cash bar. I know that much. If I do something, <laughs> I know that for sure. I might be able to afford the food, but it's going to be cash bar if I do something. Man, that is going to be rough. All right. Um, a couple of things from... I, people that have a problem with my like uh, like my friend Rob said the problem with um, not pussyfooting around is uh, you assume that the Ravens like a guy this year and can get that player. No, no, no. I assume that if they don't think that that guy is available, it makes their current guy that much. There's no world in which this acceptable scenario is not having a quarterback. Just shrugging your shoulders and saying, "Well, we tried with Derek Carr." You know, and Rob, uh, I don't know that it matters. It's all about the contract. And the Ravens aren't going to give a blank check or a stupid contract out to Lamar, and they shouldn't. What, what do you think a stupid contract is? A contract? <laughs> like, when we keep saying the word stupid contract, and it's not just Rob. Plenty of you say those things. So that's, what is stupid? What do you think is stupid? What's stupid to me is not having a quarterback. Yeah. That's stupid. So then it becomes you still want to try to win with a vet in 2023 or go with a young guy. What, win with a, what does win with a vet in 2023 mean? Because, again, I would feel differently if I was the New Orleans Saints. Derek Carr, who's a bad cold-weather quarterback on top of it, gets to come indoors, gets to play in a division that doesn't have any quarterbacks, and in a conference that has very few. And might have one less if Aaron Rodgers ends up leaving. In that conference, I feel like I might have a chance this year with Derek Carr. Now, I can't convince myself that I think I can win a Super Bowl, but I might have a chance to do something with Derek Carr. In the AFC, you cannot sell me that you have a chance to break through. Can you be competitive? Absolutely. And I can't tell you that Lamar Jackson is going to win in the AFC, but I have a chance. The moment I accept the stop-back gap quarterback, I'm good enough to not be good enough. And good enough to be too good to address my quarterback next year. That's what a stop-gap quarterback does. No. No. Under any circumstances, no. No. If you don't like this year's quarterback class, that makes Lamar Jackson all the more valuable because you don't just get to invent quarterbacks. You can say, well, it shouldn't work that way. You should only be as valuable as what? No. No. It's all part of the arithmetic. All of it. Every single layer of it. All part of the arithmetic. If you love all four quarterbacks in the first round and you're confident that you're going to come away with a top 10 pick, I would make sure it's a top eight pick, especially after Anthony Richardson at the Combine. 
if you're confident, then then go for it. But stopgap nonsense. And the Derek Carr thing is, I, I he's better than trash. That's the list of things that I have to say about Derek Carr. He's just good enough to not be good enough. But again, I, if I'm in New Orleans today, I feel differently about it. If I'm in New Orleans today and I didn't have a Lamar Jackson and I'm not super confident. By the way, by signing Derek Carr, New Orleans could still choose to draft a quarterback. They could be the team that says, maybe we take a flyer on Hendon Hooker too. Maybe we, we see how this goes. And if it doesn't work here, we try something else as well. We don't throw all of our eggs in one basket. But if I'm in New Orleans today, I'm looking around and saying, yeah, we got a, we got a chance. Again, they've got other problems. I don't think Alvin Kamara is going to get back to the level that he once was at. Maybe he could. I mean, I think people felt that way about Saquon Barkley as well, and he, he did. But if you can get Alvin Kamara back there, it changes everything, or you find another running back. You have a really good wide receiver on your roster, obviously, in Chris Olave. You, you need you, your offensive line has still been very good. They built a good offensive line there. Um, you need something at tight end. Your defense is good. You feel like you have a chance because the competition ain't great. In your vision, it's next to nothing, provided none of them end up coming away with Lamar Jackson, or that the team quarterbacks that those teams draft don't end up proving to be. Really great players. All right, when we come back in, Marty Morningweg, former Ravens offensive coordinator, is going to check in. Pressboxonline.com slash offers. Baseball betting is here. Bet $5 with DraftKings. Get $200 in instant bonus bets along with other great incentives and promos when you sign up at Pressboxonline.com slash offers. Baseball futures bets, season specials, and player reward bets are already live in Maryland. Go to Pressboxonline.com slash offers now for your shot at winning big. It's Glenn Clark Radio. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers start at over $60,000 and over $64,000 for lateral officers with $10,000 signing bonuses available. Plus, cadets start at over $32,000. Great benefits are available like medical, dental, and vision insurance, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days per calendar year with no limit, career advancement to more than 20 specialized units, and more with further incentives for military service members and veterans. A passion for service, a career for life, with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Have you experienced hardship due to COVID-19 and want to start a new career path? Look no further than CCBC. Starting in March, CCBC offers short-term career training programs like real estate sales. And the best part, funding is available for those who qualify. Real estate sales is a lucrative career that can provide a stable income and flexibility. With CCBC's real estate sales program, you'll learn everything you need to know to get started in this exciting field. Call us at 443 840 
1-800-230-2222 or ccbcmd.edu to learn more. CCBC, real estate sales. Your new career starts now with funding available. 443-840-2222 or ccbcmd.edu. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue on a Monday edition of the program. Appreciate Jeremy Kahn hopping on with us today's show. Or just a reminder, as always, that gambling can be fun, but you should set a limit and stay within it. Remember that if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or visit helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Um, Stanley said, I don't think Carr would be a stopgap under the right circumstances. He could be much more than that, but I do agree with your premise about stopgaps. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to think of somebody else. One of the problems with Derek Carr is he's a truly awful, I mean, really bad cold-weather quarterback. I mean, he's one of the worst cold-weather quarterbacks in the modern history of the NFL. Like, it, it was part of my, like, even when you try to sell that Derek Carr is better than he gets credit for, even when you try to say, like, look, dive into the numbers, you can't make that go away. He's one of the worst cold-weather quarterbacks that's ever played. So... Like, that was your best hope of them. I, you can't sell me at all on any of these other guys. Like, you could sort of say, hey, Derek Carr is a little bit underappreciated. Fine. But he's atrocious in cold weather. So, eh, I don't know about that. Let's talk about the Ravens situation. This man just gave a, a three-point plan over on the uh, 33rd team about how the Ravens handle the offseason. He, of course, knows a thing or two about the Baltimore Ravens. He is former offensive coordinator Marty Morningweg. He's back with us here on GCR. Coach, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to catch up with you as always. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Glenn, I'm so excited to be <laughs> on your radio show this morning. I'll tell you what, what up. great excitement, huh? You are fired combine. up. Uh, Coach, if I could, man, it's been a weird week in Baltimore. Before we get into the, all the Lamar Jackson stuff and the quarterback, it's been a weird week because the players came out last week with these report cards, 
and were very aggressive in their disdain for the Ravens' strength coach, um, Steve Saunders, the former strength coach, Steve Saunders, and the, the situation in Baltimore. And, you know, after that, a lot of players, even, you know, current, former players, it's unlike what we've normally seen in Baltimore. We saw a negative public backlash towards a franchise that has regularly been viewed as a very quality franchise that, that we haven't seen before. Were you, like Rashad Bateman coming out and speaking out against the team that he currently plays for, and, you know, Matt Judon, who's been highly successful, like, I, I, were you a little alarmed by how negative the reaction was to Steve Saunders and the fact that John Harbaugh kept him al- around for as long as he did? I was surprised, Glenn. I know Saunders really well. I know John. Now, However, I will say this, when we would bring free agents in from other teams and, and, and some that I coached on other teams, uh, one of the first things they would do is go, hey, coach, this strength and conditioning thing is way different. I would say, tell me how, tell me how, what's going on? Is it just so much uh, every day? And so uh, some of the fellows just weren't used to that. I, I suspect here's what happened that uh, an injury or two or some rehabilitation or some strength conditions uh, throughout a year or two backfired on a couple of the fellas. Uh, and uh, it may or may not have been uh, the strength and conditioning coach's responsibility or fault. Uh, I'm just really surprised that they put all that out in public and and Saunders ended up getting fired over the situation it looked to me like. So let, let me ask this question. Is there a world, like if you, you know, obviously you know a thing or two, you've been a head coach in this league. If it's so over, whether it's whether it's factual or not, whether your strength coach is responsible directly for players getting hurt or not, this has clearly been percolating for some time, right? Like it came to the surface recently, but in talking to guys, this isn't new. There has been an angst, to say the least, if not a disdain, for a couple of seasons, is it the responsibility of the head coach to say, hey, man, even if I I think what you're doing is correct, at some point I need to step in and just say this isn't working. Like, you don't have the trust of the players, and that that's not that, – that, we can't operate like that as a franchise. Well, it is. You're exactly right. You have a philosophy, and it is a hardcore philosophy, strength and conditioning-wise, at Baltimore, that's not a bad thing. That's, that's really a good thing, right? But you have to have that philosophy. That philosophy has to have the ability to adjust just a little bit depending on who your players are, what all your strengths are, what all your weaknesses are in that program, and you better be able to adjust and adjust very quickly. And I know this, that each player – needs an individual-specific strength and conditioning plan, period. Why? Because every player is different. Every man is different. They've got different strengths, weaknesses, past injuries. Uh, 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 their core is, is better than other. You know, all those things. So an individual-specific plan, and I'm not sure that that happened yeah. there in Baltimore. It was a, it was a broad-based plan for everybody. I, and I feel like there's some criticism that's deserved. I'm not suggesting that John Harbaugh gets fired over it or something. I don't want to go crazy, but I do think that it's fair to be critical and say, hey, maybe this should have been something that should have been taken care of um, a little bit before now. Like, that, uh, it's, it's tough. All right, let me get into the, uh, what they still have to do, Coach. 
I'll start with this. You know Lamar Jackson. Is Lamar Jackson worth giving a Deshaun Watson-like contract to to make sure that you have your quarterback position stabilized here in Baltimore? Well, sure. However, it looks to me like that's a relative because Lamar's so young. Typically, a really good quarterback that signs a contract is going to get all of the money at his age. Uh, you know, so, so I don't think that the guaranteed money should be a holdup on Lamar's side because almost always that young player in, 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 his, right. in his second contract gets all of the money, especially at the quarterback position. So uh, I, I find that sort of irrelative in these negotiations, and Lamar's side needs to, needs to understand that. The Ravens' side needs to understand they have a unique – a high-level, highly skilled quarterback, and if not him, then who, right? So if they, if they end up getting two first-rounders out of this, let's say, and they use one on a quarterback and they go get, go get a veteran quarterback possibly in there, okay, what are the odds? The odds are still lower than what you have. You have one of the great quarterbacks. You've got a, an MVP quarterback, uh, and you're going to let him go. I highly – well, I would be surprised if Lamar's not with Baltimore. Now, look, there's a lot of variables to this thing, so I may be wrong, but, but I would be highly surprised to see the Baltimore Ravens allow one of the great quarterbacks in the league, in the league uh, to leave and go somewhere else. By the way, what you bring up I, I know is true, Coach, right? Like You're 100% right. These quarterbacks always end up getting their money. In a way, it's, I, I feel like you can flip that argument around too and say, why is the fight over guaranteed money if you know you're going to end up being paying the guy anyway, right? Like, if, if this was about what the guy was worth, I could maybe understand the fight a little bit more. But I, I, can, I can make the same argument. If you know you're going to end up paying the guy the money anyway, why are, we, why are you willing to risk losing your quarterback just over the words fully guaranteed? I'm with you on that. That's exactly my point. I, you know, the Ravens, they've got to get that quarterback situation settled. Why? just because of the planning for the players, for the coaches, the teams that have a really high-level quarterback and, that, and it's settled, you, you know who your quarterback's going to be, typically have a better chance to make a run deep into the playoffs. Now, there are some outliers, right? There are some outliers, but not very many. And then the second thing is you need to adjust. Let's say you have Lamar Jackson. Adjust your offensive philosophy just, just a little bit Right? And it looks like John Harbaugh has sort of made the first move in doing that by hiring Todd Monken. You know, just shift a little bit away from almost solely relying on the great Lamar Jackson's running ability. And you can play the game a certain way to where his running ability, that threat is always there. So just run him just enough to pop off some big runs and the threat is always there. And then and then nobody's immune to an injury, but you can play the game a certain way where you minimize all of those possibilities of some of those injuries. You know, Lamar's been unavailable right. the last two years right. down the stretch. So that's so, so important. Uh, too much is just as bad as not enough with Lamar's running ability. And then, and then open up the offense just a little bit, right? The, the, the Ravens were in 12 single-digit games, and they won six with the third-ranked defense as far as scoring points, right? They gave up 18.5 points a game. They only won six. 
of the 12 close games. Open it up just a little bit. Have less close games by allowing your offense to open it up. Get ahead of your opponent and then turn that vaunted defense loose on your opponent's offense. I think those three things will pay dividends for the Ravens in 2023. We know that strategy has worked. We know that it has been effective. You certainly know that. Uh, Coach Marty Morningweg with us here on GCR. Coach, so just, let's just do this, right? Let's 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 play around with this. If for some bizarre reason Lamar Jackson wasn't the quarterback in Baltimore in 2023, do you believe that Todd Munkin and to to add into that whatever else they would do, whether it's a stop, it's not going to be Derek Carr, right? He's off the board, but whether it's you know a, a Geno Smith or a first round quarterback, do you believe that given the defense they put together? and Todd Munkin's abilities, they can still remain highly competitive even if they don't have Lamar Jackson. Well, absolutely, that defense giving up 18.5 points a game, that alone right, is going to keep you in games and allow you to win some of those games. right? But you need offense in the NFL to go really far. right? Now, if, you, if you're going to rely on a first-round pick, a rookie quarterback, there's been no rookie quarterbacks that have gone into a championship game and won uh, and lead your team to so – there's never been one, right? There's been some great ones that have played as, as rookies. So, so that's, that's at least a couple of years away if you're going to rely on a first-round pick. And by the way, those first-round pick quarterbacks, right, they're about 50-50 that they will live up to a, an all-pro type of career. Up, um, uh, many Pro Bowls, right? That's 50-50. Now, now look, at a little bit of that is where they played okay, but they just didn't live up, and then some end up being bust. So your odds are sort of 50-50 there. So if you need a quarterback, you better get a, a, a draft uh, pick. Yeah. You better rely on, on somebody that's there like Huntley, and then you better go outside and get a veteran in there. So all three of those things could come into play if Lamar Jackson is not with the Baltimore Ravens. Coach, take me through your philosophy on this because I am very much a if it's and again, trust me. I to me the answer is Lamar Jackson. I think it's insane that we're even having this conversation, but you know, we are where we are. I'm of the belief that if it's not Lamar Jackson, you're going and trying to find your next Lamar Jackson. Like you're I, I'm not messing around and saying, look look around the AFC, there's Patrick Mahomes, there's Josh Allen, there's Joe Burrow. I, I find it very hard to believe that you're breaking through with like a Jimmy Garoppolo and you're beating those teams next year and you're winning a Super Bowl. To me, if it's not Lamar Jackson, it's because you love one of these guys in the draft and you believe you can find your next superstar quarterback, whether it's a you know a Bryce Young, a Stroud, a Levis, whoever it is. What is your philosophy about how you handle this situation if, again, knowing what we know about you, you'd rather it being Lamar Jackson, but if it wasn't? Right, I'm with you. It should be Lamar Jackson, period. Now, I'm surprised. I am really, really surprised that this thing hasn't gotten done yeah. up to this point because, because when, when I interviewed, uh, when we flew Lamar Jackson in to Baltimore and I, I spent half a day with him, uh, you, you know, the, 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 I, I brought up uh, three or four things uh, that were unusual with him. You, you know, so, so, and one of them was he didn't have an agent. And he was very, very well-schooled. He had people around him that were well-schooled, that were experts with, 
with contracts and the salary cap. He, he just didn't have his agent there. And he was, he, I remember he said, look, coach, I'm not, I'm not against agents. It's just that the rookie contract, there's very few things that you can negotiate. You're slotted. And here's the things that you can negotiate. I'm well-schooled on it. I'm not against hiring an agent for my second contract. I may end up doing that. So first of all, I'm surprised that he didn't hire an agent right. for his second contract. Right. So the, the, the other thing that makes it unique and a little bit more difficult is there's no buffer, right? So, so when you're negotiating, you're talking directly to Lamar. Well, you need a buffer in there because the negotiations can get a little tricky. They can get some feelings hurt, let's say, right? So you need that really good agent that's a buffer between the negotiations from the Ravens uh, to the Lamar Jackson camp. And I'm just so surprised that it's not done. Now, my philosophy moving forward, uh, identify and then acquire and, and, and then develop one of these great young quarterbacks. You've got to identify the one you want if you're going that way with the draft. Yeah. Identify, acquire them, and then develop them. And, and the Baltimore Ravens understand, and they, they, they've had so much history uh, and so much experience with quarterbacks now that they understand that if they, if they select one in the draft, it is not, it is not a slam dunk, right? They've been through that now. I mean, they got their slam dunk with Lamar Jackson. So again, I'd be highly surprised I, I look, if he leaves. I am. We, we, we keep coming back to that, Coach, and I am. I, I am. I hope. I pray to God that you're right about that. I just the fact that it's taken this long. You just have to. You have to consider all the possibilities and wonder what might happen moving forward. Hey, what do you think? What, and Glenn, yeah, Glenn, Glenn. One thing, one other thing, Please. that I think may be coming into play here. I hope it's not, but but the analytics as far as the salary cap, right? Well, first of all, I think you need some analytics uh, to to analyze the analytics. I really do. You know, it's gotten it's gotten so far uh, one way where everybody's going with the analytics, but but the the quarterback position, if you have a great one. Typically, you need to win a Super Bowl in the first contract because the second contract is going to hammer, let's say, your, your salary cap and pull from other positions. So are the Ravens saying that uh, they just don't want to spend the money uh, salary cap-wise on one position but, and that being the quarterback? But, but, now, but let's talk about that, right? That goes against my philosophy. Yeah, Coach, yeah, that's what yeah, I want to get. my philosophy. I, I, I've heard plenty of people make that argument. Of course, we all saw that Patrick Mahomes was sucking up more than 20% of the Chiefs cap this year, and they had no problem. Now I get it. Patrick Mahomes is one of one, right? I love Lamar Jackson, but even I acknowledge Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback not only of the moment, but might very well be the most talented quarterback we've ever seen in the history of the NFL. Like, I acknowledge that. But to me, I, I, the, the risk isn't that you give so much money to one position. The risk to me is that you can build whatever team you want to build otherwise. If you don't have a rock star quarterback at the center of it, I don't know that you can make it matter in a league where you look around and see all the other quarterbacks that you're going up against. There it is, right there. You explained it beautifully, right? You, the quarterback position, and I'm not even sure you can debate it on the other side, is the most important position in all of sports. That quarterback handles everything. That quarterback is your team leader. That quarterback is the face of your franchise. That quarterback will either lead you to Super Bowl wins or he doesn't. 
That's how important that quarterback position is. And you can have everything else built really well, yeah. really strong. And then not when it's, you can get close, you'll get close, right? You'll get close and not win a Super Bowl if you don't have one of those great quarterbacks. Again, there are some outliers out there, but that's like maybe once in a decade where a, a mediocre quarterback ends up winning a Super Bowl and how they do it. Right. That whole team is built really well. Right. And then that quarterback plays like a top five or a top eight quarterback down the stretch and through the playoffs. That's how those outliers end up winning the Super Bowl. But obviously, we saw it with the Eagles and Nick Foles a couple of years ago. It's not, to your point, it's not like it can't be done or it's impossible. It's just so, so many things have to go right in order to make it happen that to think that that's the guiding light for how you should build your franchise to me is, you know, it's a fallacy, right? Like, we know the answer. Oh. Have quarterback, succeed with quarterback, do everything you can with quarterback. <laughs> You're pretty good on this radio, Jay. Hey, hey, I'll tell you, you explain things beautifully. That quarterback position is, like I said, so important. It's the most important position in all of sports. And if you have one, you have way better odds yep. of making a big-time run than if you don't. It's just that simple. All the rules, everything has pointed to throw the ball a little bit more, some teams were ahead of the curve. I thought we were way ahead of the curve in Green Bay and San Francisco and Philadelphia. Sure. And then everybody else sort of caught up to the, to the philosophy of throwing the football early to score points in most games, get ahead of your opponent, and then allow those pass rushers to get after your opponent's quarterback. Marty Morningweg, you of course have been, uh, you know, living living the good life out in the the like you're basically like Yellowstone at this point in your life, right? Like that's <laughs> if if we saw you these days, you'd just be like oh, out on your horse, uh, enjoying the land. Is that what life looks like for you these days? I will tell you, Glenn, I've had a blast. I've got to spend a little time with my wife, and I've got two boys, two two of my children that are coaching. I I dip my toe. I never thought I'd do the media thing, right? But I dipped my toe into it, and man alive, I've really enjoyed it. I do a couple radio shows every week. I do the 33rd team. I, I did the color for the TV for the Montana Grizzlies. Yep. I, I've got my knee replaced a year ago. I got my hernias taken care of about six months ago. I got my shoulder repaired. So I'm all cleaned up for the stretch run right here. Marty, it's so great to hear you. We're going to link up to the video that you did for the 33rd team uh, about your offseason plan for the Ravens so that – Ravens fans can go check it out on our Twitter account at Glenn Clark Radio. Always great to hear your voice. Thank you for taking the time for us as always. Let's talk again soon, all right? Glenn, it's going to be exciting for the Baltimore Ravens fans in the next couple of days, isn't it? Oh. Have a great week. Thank you, sir. He says exciting. There's a scenario where it's not as exciting. It's more terrifying is where we get to at that point. It's more terrifying. But there is a scenario where – um, yes, it, uh, hopefully there's very good news. Hopefully the reason why they're waiting to the deadline is because they think they can get something done before the deadline. I don't feel strongly about that possibility, but, um, let's just hope that would be w w wonderful news. My God, the week we would have if tomorrow the news comes out, the deal is done and we can start worrying wow. about other things like, ah, oh, you could have a conversation like, about like some, anything else. The path of the parade and right. like right. well let's not let's maybe ease up on all of those things. Like let's settle down there. And that's the funny part. Like when I have these conversations, I end up getting going back and forth with folks. Like I'm not 
I'm not here to tell you that the Ravens are going to win a Super Bowl with Lamar Jackson. I can't do that. My buddy Kevin Van Valkenburg said it best. Dan Marino never won a Super Bowl. And he's one of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever seen in the history of the game. It's not easy to win Super Bowls. It's particularly daunting in a world where Patrick Mahomes is breathing. In the way that it was daunting for a little while with what the Patriots were able to build with Tom Brady. It's a daunting thing to try to break through and win a Super Bowl. But I'd rather give myself a chance. Like I, It might not work, but I have a chance. I don't feel like I have a chance in other scenarios. Um, apparently, the, the Jets were also very high on Jimmy Garoppolo. So if Aaron Rodgers... Um, boy, trying to explain this to an... If you're in the Barstool sports world, you know all of this. If you're not, they... they they did a prank last week with Adam Schefter oh, yeah, yeah. where Adam Schefter made it seem like the commanders were going to get Lamar Jackson because PFT commenter is a huge commanders, uh, commanders fan. Okay. All right. Yeah. Please, I mean, I saw please the- understand. I am very, I am almost not at all in that world. It's just not, it's not a knock on them. It's just a, more of an age thing. It's not for me necessarily, but God bless them. They're doing their thing. I'm not here to fight with them in any way. They do this thing. And then I guess PFT commenter, Again, try explaining this to a a group of people. PFT commenter is not a reporter, but, of course, because he's a very popular personality, is plugged in with people that work for teams that just like his content and want to give him information. He's friends with players. He's friends with all sorts of people in the business. So for a while, he created a Twitter account to break football news but he put the account under his dog's name. But then he stopped doing it. At some point, he he stopped doing that and just, you know, it wasn't his shtick. His shtick is comedy. His shtick Mm -hmm. is, you know, silliness, and so he stopped doing it. Adam Schefter played this prank, and I guess apparently he said afterwards, I'm going to bring back my dog's Twitter account as revenge, and I'm going to beat you on breaking news stories oh. as revenge for your okay. prank. And so he did. So the dog's back. So the dog. I, I don't remember. The, what was the name of the dog's account? Leroy is the name of the dog. All right, um, all right. It's at Leroy Insider on Twitter, which is PFT commenter just using a different, a different alias thing. Yeah. He says, again, make sure this is clear. He's one, not a reporter, and two, it's not a dog. It's PFT commenter that says it. Said this morning, per sources, Aaron Rodgers will return to play for the Green Bay Packers, barring a material change. Okay, so that's nothing. You say that, it means he got something. And I believe that those guys have a relationship with Aaron Rodgers. Like, I think he's right, done yeah, their yeah. show, and, like, Aaron Rodgers is kind of an attention whore anymore. So, like, I, it's it's totally plausible that, like, that's something direct, right? Um, If that's the case and Aaron Rodgers does go back to the Jets, there's talk that the Jets would be in on Jimmy Garoppolo. The Jets can't really believe that they can break through with Jimmy Garoppolo as their quarterback. They, like I can say you weren't going to do it with Derek Carr. A- at least you could say Derek Carr is a definitive upgrade at the quarterback position. You can't even say that about Jimmy Garoppolo. Why are he's, you so down on Jimmy Garoppolo? Because he's a guy. He's a, he's a 
game manager for yeah, the most part. I mean, part. I feel like that... Uh, yes, you're saying they have they a good compete. roster. In, I mean, yeah, they're not in the AFC. They compete in obviously. the right circumstances. You have to have great circumstances in I, order for a game manager to be able to compete. To think that a game manager is going to compete, and and I get it, they did some good drafting yeah, a year ago. There's a lot of nice pieces in New York. But to think that your roster is so wildly better than everyone's, everyone else's that you don't need exceptional quarterback play, it's nonsense. They're not there. They've got good players. No, Nobody's debating that. Everybody likes that they were the ones that came away with Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson. Like They look like rock stars, and Brees Hall looked really good too. But to think that that means that you're suddenly the most talented team in the history of the NFL – the, the, the Saints weren't able to do it when they had Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara as their top weapons in their prime. They needed better quarterback play than that in order to break through. Game management type quarterback play is not... Again, I think they can be competitive. I don't think I believe they could... If, well, if, if Josh Allen stays healthy, I don't think they have a ch- chance in hell of winning the division. Well, I don't, I don't know what you expect them to do. Like, I mean, if they're, Draft if they're the not... quarterback. What, where are they in the draft? I mean, they don't. They're, they're like pretty middle of the road. Like they're not. They're gonna miss out yeah. unless they trade up. And that would be what I would do. Yeah. Like when you've you got trade up. When you've got the pieces, you got to get a quarterback. You can't just sit back and say, "Well, we we tried. You know, we we got Jimmy Garoppolo." I mean, dude, do you want to win or not? Like you, I, the answer would be yes. Try to go get Aaron Rodgers, right? Like that's your best win now opportunity. Or Lamar Jackson, or, or Lamar Jackson. Yeah. One thousand percent be on in on Lamar Jackson. Oh my God, I would be overwhelmingly in on Lamar Jackson. Now, if I'm the Ravens, I don't like that trade offer because I need a top. If I'm making the trade, I need it to be a top eight pick in the draft right. that I'm getting out of this because I've got to find my quarterback. But yes, I would be in on Lamar. I would be doing everything I can to say, Hey, look, we've got a lot of the other answers. We can either stockpile draft picks. Or we can go try to solve the one thing that's going to prevent us from being able to do something with it. The Jets have pieces. They're a, they're a good-looking, on-paper roster. But it's what we were just talking about with Marty Morningwig. It's irrelevant until you find that guy. So, yeah, I'd be in on – if Aaron Rodgers is going back to Green Bay, I'd absolutely try to be in on Lamar Jackson. I don't think the Ravens would want to make mm-hmm. that deal with another AFC team. I don't think they'd want to make a deal with a team that doesn't have a top-10 pick. I, I wouldn't. That's what I'm really saying. Yeah. I would. Yeah. I wouldn't do it. Um, I mean, I wouldn't make the trade to begin with. So I'm probably the wrong guy to ask. But <laughs> if I was told I had to make the trade, it would. It wouldn't be in those circumstances. And another AFC team that you're gonna have to compete against, and you're not getting a top ten pick out of the deal. Nope. No, thank you. What is what is the Jets pick? Hang on a second. 2023 NFL Draft. 2023 NFL Draft. Um, like. I mean, like, so their options are... Hang on a second. Okay, so their options are... Uh, they're the 13th pick. Okay, yeah. I mean, they're not going to be able to... I can't do that. I can't do that. But the, So their options are, for next season, They if they can't get a rookie quarterback, yes. they and they don't get a, you know... They, they compete. They try to compete with Jimmy Garoppolo, or they, or you want them to completely tank for Caleb Williams? Like, uh, I would think you'd be better off tanking for Caleb Williams. Yeah. Well, but, and they're just—they're not going to do that. But I would say that you, again, you've got to go aggressive. You have to try to figure out if there's a team you can move up with. Like, you've got—you've got to sell out. You've—you've you've got you've done what you needed to do with your draft picks a year ago. You've got talent. You've done that. Now you've got to get the thing that matters: the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Sell out for it. Yeah. So give every if you can't get Aaron Rodgers if you can't get Lamar Jackson you don't just sit back and say well we'll just hold at thirteen 
figure out. Go look at these teams that, that don't necessarily, you know, I, that's, this is the problem. There's only so many of them that are trade targets. The Bears, of course, at one are a trade target. Although there are still percolations that maybe they're Gun. they're willing no. to consider, which is bizarre. I don't I don't feel so strongly about any of these guys that I would I would put them over Justin Fields. Um, the Arizona probably should be in the quarterback market, but can't be. So you have an opportunity to trade with the team at number three. The rest of the top ten: Houston, Indianapolis, Seattle, Detroit at six. You know, maybe maybe they just feel like they can't move on from Jared Goff. I mean, I I still think they they would have to be in the, the quarterback market. So this is one of the other problems: is that there's only so many teams. Most of the top ten is littered with teams that need a quarterback. I mean, the Eagles at ten, but we're starting to feel like at ten you might you might already be out, mm-hmm. out of luck. So you got to be aggressive. You might have to make the same Lamar Jackson deal that you would have made in order to go up and get one of these guys. But I do it. Like the answer can't be well, we tried. We tried. It didn't work out. You're not winning a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo as your quarterback in the AFC next year. It's not happening. You can't. You're not really winning a Super Bowl in the NFC with Jimmy Garoppolo as your quarterback. But at least again, you could squint and, you know, if if you got if six things went correctly for you, you could figure out a way that it could happen. You know, like Jalen Hurts gets hurt. None of these rookies end up in the NFC and having out exceptional seasons. You can start doing the math on how a team maybe could breakthrough and then you get to the quarterback and who knows what crazy thing could happen you know Patrick Mahomes could get hurt and all of a sudden look at that we we just kind of goofed our way into a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo as our quarterback but to think you're gonna have all of those things you're gonna get lucky and not to say that you couldn't beat a good team with all you gotta do is beat one good team that has a quarterback that can happen on any given day but in the AFC it's gonna be four mm-hmm. and to think that you're gonna do that in the AFC to think that you're gonna run Jimmy Garoppolo out there in the playoffs and you're going to go, you know, Josh Allen round one, Lamar Jackson round two, Joe Burrow round three, Patrick, you know, like, I guess round four would be an NFC team at that point. But still, you're going to beat three of them in the process? You're going to beat Allen, Burrow, Mahomes with Jimmy Garoppolo? I, I, in the world where anything is possible, sure, anything is possible. But in the practical world? Yeah. No. Well, that's why I think practically – it seems I, I I would think it's likely they get Jimmy Garoppolo because they're gonna try they're trying to win and and Jimmy Garoppolo and mean? once they and once they once they're out because I don't win. I don't think they're gonna be able to pull off a top ten trade I don't think they're gonna be able to pull off Aaron Rodgers or Lamar Jackson so they have to they they have to do w- then run with Zach what they Wilson can. back out there again next you would year. you would run Zach yes, Wilson over Jimmy Garoppolo I would run Zach Wilson back Ooh. out there over again they, they, we're presenting a purgatory scenario this is the problem. Yeah, yeah. it's the thing that you can't say out loud right you can't out loud say you're better off in hell than in purgatory right like you but that's the reality yeah you're way better off in hell than you are in purgatory in Zach Wilson there's the one in a million that somehow you know. He gets his head straight. Or I just run out one of the guys I already have. Like, let Mike White be the quarterback again next year. Joe Joe Flacco. Yeah, Joe Flacco. They clearly have no interest in doing that. They had the opportunity. They they weren't interested in it. Um, Would you go Joe Flacco or Jimmy Garoppolo right now? Jimmy Garoppolo. But but honest to God, no, in that scenario, I just let it be Joe Flacco and hope that I win two games and I get the number one pick next year. I'd rather be in hell than be in purgatory. The scenario where I'm signing up to be good enough to not get my quarterback again the following year is nightmarish. It's the worst scenario I can present is the scenario where I'm good enough to be competitive, not good enough to win a Super Bowl, and not really have a viable chance to win a Super Bowl, and too good to be able to get a high draft pick in order to go get my quarterback the following year. That's a 
nightmare scenario. I just can't wait until Gary Vee buys the Jets, and then that then that'll be then it'll be an exciting you're, you're an exciting with, franchise. You're obsessed with Gary Vaynerchuk. <laughs> you're obsessed with. Well, I mean, he's gonna. I mean, I feel. I mean, he's gonna make some moves. Okay. It's gonna. All right, all right. He turn him around. He'll turn him we'll around. Come back in. We'll get a tidbit. We'll get tidbit to wrap up. I don't. I don't. I don't know what we're doing here. I don't know what's going on. Hey, tonight, stand the fan. Uh, Ross Grimsley. They're catching up with Mike Devereaux, who, much like Mike Bordick, was down in Sarasota working as an instructor. With the Orioles during spring training, that's tonight, 6 o'clock, facebook.com slash pressboxsports. If you miss it live, see it tomorrow, youtube.com slash pressboxonline or pressboxonline.com slash video. Come back in, wrap it up, Glenn Clark Radio. Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Have you experienced hardship due to COVID-19? CCBC is here to help. With funding available for short-term career programs, you can get back on your feet in no time. Starting this March, become a certified apartment maintenance technician to secure your future. CCBC's program offers hands-on training and prepares you for a rewarding career in the growing field of property management. Don't wait any longer. Call 443-840-2222 or online at ccbcm edu for more details ccbc apartment maintenance technician your new career starts now with funding available 443-840-2222 or ccbcmd.edu the latest edition of press box is available now on the cover luke jackson profiles orioles phenom gunner henderson breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full mlb season also inside we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state and bo smoker breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the ravens press box is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers start at over $60,000 and over $64,000 for lateral officers with $10,000 signing bonuses available. Plus, cadets start at over $32,000. Great benefits are available like medical, dental, and vision insurance, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days per calendar year with no limit, career advancement to more than 20 specialized units, and more with further incentives for military service members and veterans. A passion for service, a career for life, 
life with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressbox online. And you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grindr. Not that I know what's on Grindr or anything, I swear. Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. All right, back in here as we are winding down for a Monday edition of the program. A good show today. A lot going on on the program. Today's show has also been brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. So um, what we've learned this morning is that Griffin loves Jimmy Garoppolo. It's very weird. I don't know where that comes from. I don't know if that's just because Towson beat him once, and so... (laughs) Like, you're still enamored by him. You want him to be more relevant because it makes Towson more relevant somehow. I'm not really sure that's, where the... That's a good angle. Um, I, I, I just don't know where it comes from. I though. mean, I don't he think he's I don't think he's this this uh, punching bag that I feel like uh, we're making him out to be. Like, well, What do you think he is? I mean, I think he's a serviceable quarterback. I mean, yeah, I mean, he, he, he's, he's not going to, you know, compete. I mean, well, he, I mean, he did compete with... I guess, he, I guess he did get beat pretty bad in the Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes. But he, but, you know, I mean, he's he, he gets... He just wins. That's what I... That's what but I, what does that mean? I mean, he wins football games and he gets you into the playoffs. And then once you're in the playoffs, I feel like anything can happen. You know, Patrick Mahomes gets hurt. Whatever happens. I, I asked you the question earlier. Do you think that Jimmy Garoppolo can break through I this AFC group of quarterbacks? No. Th- that's uh, that's why I don't understand where you're. Why but you're then so what are? But if you're, I'm on the Jets. What are my options? That's what. That's what I'm. I have I, to do better than that. Somehow, I know. I know. Some way, I can't just settle for not good they, enough. And I don't think they. I think realistically, they cannot do better. And. I, then, then you're then you're screwed. And teams are trying to win. Yeah, they are screwed. You're and screwed. Teams That's, are trying to win. Then, then Jimmy Garoppolo represents you being screwed. Like you can't make it something that it isn't just because it's the best of what's around. Dave Matthews Band. Like it's to say, well, like th- this is your only option. Well, like if it's a bad option, I'm still not taking it. Like that's just the reality of the circuit. I don't really well, care what the Jets do. To me, yeah. it's, this is more me reflecting my Ravens feelings on another team. Like you can't tell me, well, yeah, but you got to have somebody play next year. Sure, let, let let somebody let Tyler Huntley play. I guess I don't know. This is why Lamar Jackson's so valuable because look at what your options are. Look at what the other choices are. I'm glad it's not Derek Carr. I'm that to me is a very good thing that it's not going to be Derek Carr that's going to be the Ravens' quarterback next year. He's an atrocious, I mean, historically awful cold weather cold weather quarterback who is coming off a very bad season in which he had the best running back in football and maybe the best wide receiver in football. I don't want that guy. Nah. That's a good thing to me. That that's, that's been taken off the table. That can't be considered as a backup plan. I, personally, I hope it puts more pressure on the Ravens to recognize, like, Teams dude. are going in on quarterbacks. Dude, we, we got we to gotta do this. Yeah. We got to get it figured out. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit of the day is brought to you today by Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports. By O's fans, for O's fans, it is an awesome t-shirt company that's getting ready for opening day with really cool player designs and sort of fun graphic tees related to the birds, like this mountain tee celebrating the bird's closer. How about this very cool tee celebrating the luscious locks of the top prospect in baseball? 
or um, shirts that sort of combine love for multiple things in Baltimore, like, you know, the baseball team and the greatest television show of all time, like using the wire lettering on this The Birds t-shirt or the The Birds Are Coming version of the Omar concept with the Oriole bird in the coat. Like, that's those are the types of things they do at Birdland Sports. Birdlandsports.com is the website. Go find out more right now and get your order in. you got plenty of time to get your shirts ahead of opening day. Birdlandsports.com. All right, so Caitlin Clark uh, had a triple-double last night as, as Iowa uh, beat Ohio State to win the Big Ten uh, the Big Ten title. She went 30-17-10, uh, 17 assists. And that was a blowout last night. Yeah. Um, and that was the bummer was that when – like after the the, the, the Maryland Iowa game was excellent. Mm-hmm. Maryland came up short, but it was an excellent game. It was well worth the time. The title game was two. She became the first player in women's Division One history to record three career thirty-point triple doubles. No one else has ever done that. Three thirty-point triple doubles. She's unbelievable. Yes. She's a rock star. Uh, North Carolina uh, lost to Duke on Saturday. They are now the first uh, preseason AP number one team to lose twelve games in a season. Interesting. Before that, it was the 2013-2014 uh, Kentucky uh, Wildcats who lost uh, 11 games, the 11th being the national title game that year. Um, let's see what else we got. First spring training, uh, there was a no-hitter on Friday. The Cubs <laughs> the Cubs had a no-hitter over the Padres. Cool. First spring training no-hitter since 2017. Ah, the Angels. Knew? The Angels threw a no-hitter. Sure. Uh, and then finally, Paolo Bancaro had his 11th 25-point game How over the Paolo weekend. How many Paolo Bancaro tidbits are we going to do? There, it, we're, you know, it's a slow season right now. And we and can, he do, is we can a, do better than this. He's a decent rookie. No one rookie. here cares about Paolo Bancaro. There is not a soul in this city that gives a rat's ass about, except for Stan, because he's a weird Duke fan. Stan is, really? Yeah, Stan is a, because he lived in um, Durham, okay. so he's a weird Duke fan. Uh, so it was 11th 25-point game, uh, broke his tie with Penny Hardaway for the third most by Magic Rookie. Um, <laughs> You're not really trying to, this is this can't be where this. Uh, so I wanted to ask you the who, who, uh, who has the most 25-point games as a rookie in NBA history. There are six guys that did this over 50 times their rookie season. Uh, so who are those? Functional pen here a second ago. Six and it's guys. Disappeared. I don't know where it went. Um, you want this one? Oh, I might have fallen on the floor or something. Sure, throw me that. Uh, okay, uh, LeBron James. Uh, not LeBron James. All right then, Kevin Garnett. Not Kevin Garnett. All right, uh, Kobe Bryant. Not Kobe Bryant. These guys are not quite. They're not. They're not too modern. Oh, oh, okay, sure, no problem. This is a great one. How about uh, Earl the Pearl, who was MVP? Uh, not Earl the Pearl. Yeah, he uh, he he just outside. He's top eight with forty three for Earl. Wes Unseld, not Wes Unseld. I mean, it was Wes Unseld. Which one of them was Rookie of the Year and MVP in this? It was Wes Unseld, wasn't it? Wes Unseld. Well, I think it was Wes Unseld. Now that I I realize, I believe it won Rookie of the Year and MVP in the same season. It was one of the two of them. I don't remember who it was now. Maybe it was. Wes Unseld was the MVP and Rookie of the Year during sixty eight, sixty nine. There you go. Yeah. I was I nailed it. Good job. Um, but it wasn't the answer. It was not the answer. Uh, Larry Bird. Uh, not Larry Bird. Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. Hey! Sixth on this list. Fifty-three, uh, twenty-five point games his rookie year, and he is the most recent on this list. These guys are all Griffin, older. What is this? What is this list? This is the top five, twenty-five on, point man. games as a rookie. 
But you got to be able to look at the list and say, that's not it. That's not good content. That's not something we should be doing on the show. All right. Like, that's that's nonsense. We're just uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yes, sir. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, third. Wilt Chamberlain. Wilt Chamberlain, number one, 66 games with 25 points his rookie year. Uh, Oscar Robertson. Uh, yes, Oscar okay. Robertson. Fifth on the list. He's got two more. George Mikan. Not George Mikan. I don't know. I don't know. The guy spent some time with the Bullets. Not his rookie season, though. How would I remember that? His rookie year was with the Rockets. The San Diego Rockets. I don't remember there being a San Diego Rockets. Just go it ahead. Is, Who was it? it was, this is Elvin Hayes. Oh, damn it. I actually I should have gotten that one. <laughs> Elvin Hayes was a significant Bullet. Another, another, uh, not, not, he spent like three seasons, two and a half with just, the Baltimore Bulls. Just tell me. Drafted by the Bulls, Walt Bellamy. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. How about that? And that is your top six. That was probably not one that we should have brought to the, the actual show. Probably should have left that one off the table. All right. Too many. Get, get back at it tomorrow. Yes. Tomorrow will be a new day. We'll do better then. Uh, Tubular is brought to you by the print issue of Press Box. Gunnar Henderson's on the cover. Go get it for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms. They have the hundreds of locations around town where you find Press Box. Read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. Towson Charleston tonight. That's the biggie. Tigers get a third chance at trying to take down Charleston. Both the first two games are very close. CAA semifinals this evening on CBS Sports Network. It's the second semifinal scheduled for 8.30, but obviously depends on how long the first semifinal goes. But 8.30, CBS Sports Network for Towson and Charleston. The first semi is... I feel like it'll be on time, yeah, because Hofstra, Hofstra beat down William & Mary yesterday. Yeah, and but I feel Wilmington's like they're gonna pretty be, good. Like, uh, I don't well, think well, that that's... Well, they were trailing the Drexel for a lot of the game, and then... You're, you're just saying things now. I, yes, I got Hofstra, Hofstra big. Okay, there you go. You bet with Griffin tonight. He's got Hofstra big. That one's at 6 o'clock. Uh, winners uh, square off tomorrow for the title. Uh, some more uh, automatic berths to the tournament will be given out tonight. Chattanooga and Furman at 7 on ESPN... Uh, South Alabama, Louisiana Lafayette at 7 on ESPN2. And uh, the, everything else is just tournament play, not championship games. Those are the only other two championships tonight. The big one for us locally, you can watch the Orioles on television today. Hooray! And you can watch no matter where you live because it's on Masson locally and MLB Network and the rest of the country. So uh, Michael Plassmeyer, Cole Irvin, the pitching matchup for Phillies-Orioles at 1 o'clock today. NBC Sports Washington, Capitals-Kings at 10.30, ESPN Plus and Hulu, Oilers-Sabers at 7.30, NBA TV, Hawks-Heat at 7.30, Pelicans-Kings at 10, USA for Brentford and Fulham at 3 o'clock, and then WWE Monday Night Raw at 8. Some non-sports highlights. Yeah, a couple tonight, actually. The Bachelor, of course, is on ABC. Uh, season 23 of The Voice premieres tonight on NBC. Uh, Blake Shelton, Barmageddon fame. Uh, Kelly Clarkson, Chance the Rapper, and Niall Horan are the judges, coaches, or whatever for The Voice this season. Fallon's going to have Chance the Rapper uh, on the show. And then Jared from Subway Catching a Monster is there doing this documentary on uh, the Inve- on Investigation Discovery Channel. Doing like the FBI like background okay. into, into this. <laughs> okay. That is on ID. And A then, very uh, of weird course, picture that popped up on my... I, I had to delete it. Uh, this is so random. So Jared from Subway, before we found out he was a monster, right. was a regular at Super Bowl Radio Row. Oh right, and he would mm. he would travel around with like a football player. It'd be like you can have Jerome Bettis and Jared from Subway. Oh my god! So one year, I was sitting down with whoever it was, Jared from Subway, and insert you know Michael Strahan, whoever it was, and from the other side of the room, Michael Orr came running over to me, and said. 
dude, I want to meet Jared from Subway. Did you help him out? And I said, really? He <laughs> said, because Michael had already done our show that day. Like, he was doing others, and he came. He was like, yeah, I want to get a picture, but I don't want to be weird about it. <laughs> I was like, you want me to ask? He's like, yeah, at, you ask Jared from Subway, and we'll all get a picture together. I said, okay. So there's a picture on my Facebook page, and I'm like, oh. God, so it popped up the other day. Yeah, and then I'm uh, like, radio row and nobody, and nobody knew, <laughs> of course. But it's like I, my li- I've got like this murderer's row. Oh God, no pun intended, because I definitely have a picture that's on my Facebook of with hanging Bill. out. No, of ha- well, the Bill Cosby thing is a different thing. I definitely have a picture with Chris Benoit. Chris Benoit came to the old radio station once, and not no, actually, he came when I was over on 105.7, and we had such a good time with him that he asked Ed Norris and I if we would go to dinner with him that night. He was like, I got nothing to do tonight. And he just wanted to talk about football. And, like, he was a – we had a wonderful conversation. It was a great time. And he's an actual murderer. Like, a legitimate 100% known murderer of his family. God. Awful. Tough track record. Yeah, I got a bad track record, baby. That one was rough. I guess more recently you've done better. That's not the only time (laughs) that a Ravens player approached me. Bryant McKinney saw me at the – actually, this might have been the New Orleans when they were in the Super Bowl – Bryant McKinney ran. A, he saw that I had the cast of the show, The League, at the table. Oh, right. Okay. And he was very yeah. excited about meeting the cast of the show, The League. He came running over. Dude, I gotta get a picture with them. <laughs> like, all right, bro. We can make and it worked out. Well, yes, we can do that. Well, for speaking you. of Nick Kroll, uh, they're doing yes. uh, the the History of the World Part Two series. So it's like, oh, I did see it. I did yes. see. Yes. So doing they're doing that. like yeah. new episodes every day this yeah. week. For, uh, Monday through Thursday. Where, is that? Where are they doing it? On Hulu. That oh, is on Hulu. Okay. Um, yeah. So like, uh, Mel Brooks is you know being part of it and writing it with uh, Ike Barinholtz, Wanda Sykes, and Nick Kroll, and they're gonna have all kinds of like guest celebrities. Like Taika Waititi is Sigmund Freud, and and uh, Jack Black is in it. Sarah Silverman, Seth Rogen is uh, Noah's Ark, and he's like Noah. Okay. <laughs> Noah's Ark. Okay. So uh, I mean, Johnny Knoxville is apparently in it. So yeah, it looks uh, looks pretty interesting. Looks like it looks like it should be funny. Um, and then, uh, and then, of course, History Channel has the greatest of all time with Peyton Manning. He's doing the top yeah, ten yeah, daredevils. Um, um, pass, pass, pass. All right, very good. Thanks today to um, to Marty Morningwick. Thanks to Jeremy Kahn. Thanks to Brian Butch and to Mike Bordick. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the. Oh my God, it's so good. Tab at GlennClarkRadio.com. Vernon Davis is going to join us tomorrow. I guess he's got a movie coming out that oh, uh, okay. we're going to plug. And he is a good it. actor. He uh, he was good in Baywatch. I never. I'm not gonna pretend like I saw Baywatch the movie. I did not do that. I if you did, God bless you. I had I zero see. interest. The new, in the yeah, Baywatch no, movie. I didn't watch that one. The Zac Efron on the Rock, right? The yeah. stars of the Baywatch film was Mark Robbie. Alexandra Diadario. Is that who? who yes. Yeah, I was gonna try to forget who it was. Um, but yeah, Vernon Davis. I love Vernon Davis, so I'm happy to do that. Of course, Patrick Stevens will join us as he does every Tuesday. Anything else? Stuff and things. All right, stuff and things as always. Of course, we might have an answer by that point about yeah. the Ravens. We'll, we'll find out. Thanks, everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including the Baltimore County Police Department, Problem Gambling, Royal Farms, of course, the Costas Inn, as well as, ooh, boy, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com, Birdland Sports, and CCBC. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass is how you follow him. Uh, your, your, your friend was throwing you under the bus. You didn't watch the fights on Saturday? No, I watched the fights. What was the allegation that was being made? I don't know. He's an idiot. Mm, I'm inclined to believe him. I think you might be a fraud. Okay. I, think you I mean, might have been you know, I know the truth. And I think you might have fun. been watching Barman get. Why would he feel the need to say such a thing? I don't know. Hmm. Got a lot of questions. Got also, why does he run a fake character on Twitter? 
He's, I, once again, I, he's All an idiot. Right. <laughs> All right. All right. I got a lot of questions about that. He's been. We've had regular conversations over the last couple of months. He, he loves you. He's been, we've been checking in all the time. He, I, I, I think there's a chance. I, you know what? I might be on his side. I think you might be a fraud. I Me? think you might be. I Me? think you might not even love Jimmy Garoppolo the way that you're pretending to love Jimmy Garoppolo. I, well, I, I think yeah, it might I mean, all be fraudulent. I think everything. Love might is be a strong there. word, but yeah. Can we talk about the female landscapers that were here earlier today? The uh, the mulchers. I've the never seen here? a trio of. Oh no! It was all female landscapers that were here today. I've never seen yeah. that before. They're working. You hard. know what? I'll save that co- thought for another day. They were working. Save hard. it for another day. Have a great Monday night. I think they got the job done. Go Towson basketball. Let's go. Duke sucks.